Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Their next step was to invite four white liberals to become a part of the Godhead or group of leaders who would ultimately okay all plans and therefore thereby completely control the march. These four white liberals, Walter Ruther, a Jewish rabbi, a priest, and a pastor from Protestants, represented the same factions that had put the president in Washington, D.C. Catholic liberals, Protestant liberals, Jewish liberals, and labor. When the president had learned that he couldn't stop the march, he joined it and got all his friends to join it. This is the way the white liberals took over the march on Washington. This is the way they weakened its impact and changed its course by changing the participants, by changing the contents, they were able to change the very nature of the march itself. An example, if I have a cup of coffee that's too strong for me because it's too black, I weaken it by pouring cream into it. I integrate it with cream. If I keep pouring enough cream in the coffee, pretty soon the entire flavor of the coffee is changed. The nature of the coffee is changed. And if enough cream is poured in, eventually you don't even know that I have coffee in my cup. This is what happened with the March on Washington. They didn't integrate it. They infiltrated it. Whites joined it. They engulfed it. They became so much a part of it, it lost its original fla flavor. It ceased to be a black march. It ceased to be militant. It ceased to be angry. It ceased to be impatient. In fact, it ceased to be a march. It became a farce. It became a picnic, an outing with a festive, circus-like atmosphere, with clowns and all. The government had learned that most of these demonstrations where black people predominate are very militant and oftentimes lead to violence. But to the same degree that whites participate, violence most times is decreased. I watched a white clergyman on the, t on the TV news in New York when the Negroes were picketing the downstate medical center in Brooklyn. I think the man's name was Potter or Cooper or something, I forget. He's somehow official in, the, in, in one of these Protestant churches. And they asked him why he was out there picketing, a white man. And he told them on the news, I just came back from Washington talking with the Attorney General, and he told me that their statistics had shown that wherever these demonstrations take place and they're predominantly black, they're too militant and too prone toward violence. And they had discovered that when whites participate, to the same degree that whites participate, the militancy decreases and violence is eliminated, minimized. 
So when these whites join these Negroes and they're demonstrating, there's two different motives. The Negroes are demonstrating for freedom, but the whites are out there demonstrating to keep the Negroes from getting too far out of line. The government found out that this is the only way black people could be held in check. The government told the marchers on Washington what time to arrive in Washington, where to arrive, and when to arrive. Then the government channeled them from the arrival point to the feet of a dead president named Washington and let them march from there to the feet of another dead president named Lincoln. The Cows, Justice Gusty Renegade. And for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Uh, today's date, Thursday, January 22nd, 2014. So I have been told. Uh, thanks for all of the well wishes uh, for folks. I was not feeling uh, very well, uh, really, at all uh, last week. Uh, this past weekend, uh, I'm still not 100%, but I'm uh, quite a bit better than I was this past uh, weekend. Uh, the counter-racist grind continues, but thanks for the well wishes. Uh, we have a job to do, no rest uh, for the weary, but I did appreciate all of the uh, concern from folks who listened in over the past couple of days. Uh, and I hope that folks got an opportunity to listen uh, because uh, I have been spending a lot of time resting, but I did get out Um Two days ago, Rosa Clemente, uh, she was the Green Party uh, vice presidential candidate a few years back. She was uh, one of the prominent voices. She was out uh, in Ferguson uh, way back uh, this summer uh, when things first got started. Uh, she was here in Washington State uh, two days ago. She did a keynote address at uh, uh, the University of Puget Sound for their uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. celebration. And uh, I was able to participate. I thought about broadcasting live, but their Internet was a bit sluggish. So we just uh, recorded the experience and it should be in the archives. You can uh, check that out. Uh, she was uh, pretty direct about racism, white supremacy during her uh, presentation. So I hope folks got an opportunity to listen uh, as well as what I've said consistently. You should be checking out for things that are happening in your uh, area. Uh, this whole next 45 days really should be a lot of uh, opportunities for you to go out and uh, hear folks have dialogue, ask questions uh, about racism, white supremacy, uh, probably all the way through beginning of spring, particularly with everything that happened uh, to close out 2014. Uh, you did hear Minister Malcolm X at the beginning of the program. Uh, I know a lot of folks this week in particular are spending a lot of time talking about Dr. King. Uh, I am for the next 30 days going to be trying to weave in as much uh, Minister Malcolm X as possible. Uh, we are slowly encroaching on the 50 year anniversary uh, of his assassination. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how big a deal people are going to make uh, of that. I said I've been saying, I think about the last two years or so, there are about to be a whole lot of these 50 year anniversaries of things that happened. Uh, we just had the 50 year anniversary of JFK's assassination and uh, Freedom Summer uh, down in Mississippi. Minister Malcolm X coming up uh, in a few weeks. Lots of those coming with things that were happening all throughout the uh, 60s. But uh, that's something we'll be focusing on here uh, with the cows over the next uh, 30 days or so. Hopefully it will be constructive, informative. That said, uh, our guest for today's broadcast, uh, one of our listeners, I uh, think she heard our guest for today's program she did several visits uh, to Dr. Boyce Watkins. I think folks are uh, 
uh, people who listen to this program anyway should be uh, familiar with Dr. Uh, Watkins. We played some of his segments uh, on the broadcast before she heard our guest on his program and thought, oh, wow. Maybe, you know, see if you can have her uh, come to speak with us. Uh, she uh, and unless I have been misinformed, uh, she sought out Dr. Watkins to have some uh, honest, courteous dialogue with regards to racism, to share her views uh, as a white woman. Uh, they have several uh, talks. I think they're even doing regular exchanges now. So you can just follow on his YouTube channel and see some of the conversations that they have about some of the issues we'll talk about this evening and, and other things as well. Uh, our guest for the evening, uh, she is a Princeton alumnus, uh, as well as an executive coach, human resources consultant. Uh, she's written for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and in addition, she has authored the text, Mary Smart, Advice for Finding the One. Uh, interesting read. She's done quite a few uh, interviews. Some folks might even label controversial with some of her views on some of the more recent uh, topics regarding uh, rape and sexual assault, as, as well as her book, as well as some of the things that uh, Dr. Watkins and her discussed. Uh, pleasure to have her on the program with us this evening, the Princeton mom, Miss Susan Patton. Uh, Miss Patton, are you with us? I sure am. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be with you and to be with your listeners pleasure is ours. Thank you for sharing a bit of your Thursday evening with us. Um, for our listeners, this might be, I'm sure for some of them, their first time uh, hearing about you. Uh, anything that you think it would be important for folks to know about you before we get started? Well, I am a native New Yorker. I was born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, went to elementary school, public school, all through um, my elementary, middle school, high school years before going to Princeton. I mention that by way of saying that I grew up going to school with black people because the New York City public schools have traditionally been and continue to be 70% minority. So I was frequently the only white person in my class, and it just never struck me as anything unusual. It wasn't until I got to Princeton that I came to understand that that actually was an anomaly. Um, I say that again by way of just introducing who I am. I It's not as though I don't know black people. I do. I've gone to school with black people. Um, and I think a lot about issues having to do with racism because I live in New York City and you know, what, you know that there's been tremendous racial uh, upset and unrest here in the city, on and off for as long as I've lived here, which is my whole life. But very recently, there's been a great deal of, of, of upset and unrest. So the issues of, issue of racism, it matters to me. I think about it. Uh, Dr. Watkins and I have talked about it many times. In some cases, we agree frequently, as you probably heard, we don't. But I think it's so important to have open, honest, respectful conversations. I think that's the only way towards coming to some plan or some resolution of how to, how to, how to do better moving forward. Appreciate that. I hope everybody is uh, <laughs> working on that, how to do better moving forward. Um, for folks who haven't seen, well, I guess you've already shared, but just to make sure we're clear, you are a white woman. Is that correct? Indeed. I am a white woman. I'm a, I'm a Jewish woman, uh, New Yorker born and raised. I have two grown sons. Uh, I'm divorced. 
Um, what else can I tell you that would be meaningful? I live in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. I cook, I bake, I, you know, I'm a crafter, I'm a homebody, and I'm a writer. And I've been doing a lot of appearances on on Fox, on CNN, on you know many many uh, uh, network and cable news programs about all kinds of things that have been in the news. And what matters to me is being honest and uh, truthful. And what really doesn't matter to me, not one bit, is being politically correct. And I think what is what is important here is that. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an, an expert on anything. I'm not an authority on anything. But I will give you an honest opinion. And I think that sometimes what's important in understanding issues of race is just having this honest kind of conversation where I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear because it's what you want to hear or what will make me look good. If you ask me a question or any of your viewers have a question, I will, I'll tell you honestly. I'll tell you honestly what I think. I'm old enough and wise enough that it no longer matters to me to be in that popularity club, it no longer matters to me to be seen as politically correct. So I, I feel free to tell you honestly what I think. Right on. Right. We will look forward to uh, honest exchange. Um, number one, we start all of our uh, programs uh, with our guests. Uh, this program, The Cow's Context of White Supremacy, uh, I have unfortunately concluded that the entire planet is dominated by a system of white supremacy racism. Uh, I use those two terms as synonyms, and I use the same definition for both terms. The definition is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, do you think such a system exists? Do you think that definition is accurate? I don't think that definition is accurate. Of course, I could only speak in terms of what I see and what I observe in the United States. Uh, what happens globally, I'm not, I don't know. But I certainly know that in, in the United States, there, it is it is a disadvantage to be a black person in the United States. Uh, I have said it. I, certainly, I said it when I was talking to Dr. Watkins. If I were a black person, I wouldn't live in the United States for the same reason that as a Jew, I wouldn't live in Germany. It's simply not an environment that's going to be optimally friendly towards me. I, I totally get that. But when I define white supremacism, what is a white supremacist? I don't think that's a white person who is looking to do harm or uh, belittle or uh, in any way damage people of color, but rather I think the way I would define white supremacy is some a white supremacist to me is someone who thinks that intrinsically white people are better than black people. That's how I would define a white supremacist, someone who believes that white people, just by being white, are better, intrinsically better than black people. Do you disagree with that? 
Uh, I do not think that that's accurate. Uh, and I also want to point out for listeners, because we do try to be very careful about words. You kind of hopped around a little bit. It went from white supremacism to white supremacist, individual white people. And that was not what I defined at all, uh, an individual white person. Uh, I defined what I mean, racism, white supremacy as a global system of a collective of white individuals, not a specific white person. So that's a major difference. Uh, And I do not think that your uh, definition is accurate, but I do want to get back because this is very important. You said that you didn't think that definition was accurate. Uh, Do you think in this area of the world, the so-called United States, do you think white people collectively have more power than non-white people? You say that as a black man sits in the Oval Office, is that right? You, do you need me to ask the question again? No, no, no. But I'm okay. saying, do do white people have more power than black people in the United States? Is, is the, the question, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask the question is, well, our president, the man who sits in the, in the Oval Office, is a black man. That's the most powerful position in the world, arguably, the most powerful position in the world. Do I think that white people have advantages over black people in the United States? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. But I don't think that there is a mission underfoot on the part of white people to harm or well, disable. Well, we, we deviated from the question. <laughs> you said advantages. And, and I mean, and you said you're, yeah. you're about being honest. So, I mean, if we can get clean answers and then if you want to elaborate, that's fine. The question Go was, ahead. do you think white people collectively have more power than black people, at least in this area of the world, the United States. Yes, I would say they do in large part because there are more white people than there are black people. Hmm. So yes, collectively, yes, there are more white people than black people. So it's not unusual or out of, uh, there's, there's nothing odd about white people having more power. There are more white people to have power. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. Um, you have been, have you been accused of uh, practicing racism or being a racist before? Well, some of Dr. Watkins' listeners are throwing that around just, I think, in the way that internet uh, commentators throw the word around just to be inflammatory. I'm not a racist. I know I'm not a racist. I I don't judge people by the color of their skin. I don't expect to be judged by the color of my skin. I recognize that there are components of racism that I I don't understand and I don't I don't understand them because I don't see them and I don't see them because I am white. Does that answer your question, Gus? Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um I will. This is a little earlier, but um, just with with the response that you gave, not to that last question about if you have been suspected of practicing racism, but the response about do white people have more power than black people? Just your response, the fact that I had to ask the question twice and President Obama and numerically uh, you graduated from Princeton, the best university in the history of the known universe. Uh, I'm sure you know about South Africa, where white people were not and are not the majority numerically at all, but they clearly had more power and continue to have more power than all of the black people. And they are greatly outnumbered there. 
I'm sure you know about that. And in my opinion, when white people do things like that in conversations of racism, they're not being honest. They're not giving you truthful responses about racism, white supremacy, when they try to make it seem like this is a problem just based on white people having a greater numerical majority in this area of the world, because you see that same power imbalance in other places where white people are not the majority. But that's just you know something I would point out for folks listening in. Uh, I want to ask you about a, a quote to get your uh, responses. So I'm trying to ask every white person that we get on the program just to kind of get some some data so I can compare what what folks are saying. Uh, this was in The Atlantic. Uh, it was published uh, in December, uh, roughly 30 days ago. Um, the author, he was writing about the New Republic, a different publication. And he was basically saying that, uh, in his view, they have a long legacy of practicing racism uh, from not hiring very many black people on the staff. Uh, to writing glowing reviews of the bell curve, basically saying that black people are intellectually uh, uh, defective. Uh, And then he gets into kind of to the middle of the piece and saying that, you know, he feels that some of the white people who worked at the New Republic or working there now uh, aren't pleased about this. And they were really upset about this legacy of racism uh, at this publication. And he wrote specifically, he says, uh, and I'm reading, white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism but rarely are they pained enough. Uh, And so you as a white person, I wanted to ask you, do you think that this sentence is accurate? White people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism. Do you think that's accurate? You're saying pained, right? Hurt by it. It it gives them uh, uh, upset, anger. You're saying pained. I want to be sure I'm getting the word right, Gus. Pained, P-A-I-N-E-D, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, I do think that's correct. I think that white people are frequently pained. Greatly. (laughs) Greatly pained. Yes. And I think they, I absolutely think they are greatly pained without a remedy, without knowing how to help, how to correct, how to do better, how to contribute to a solution and will often sort of walk away and just hope they're not contributing to the problem. Hmm. Are you greatly pained uh, by racism? I would say I am. I live in a city that has been divided by race, uh, more so now than it has been in a long while. So, yeah, I would say I am. And because, uh, you know, because I've been engaged in so many conversations with with black leadership, with people in black communities, different black communities, it's clearly a problem. It's clearly there's clearly a disconnect between black people and white people. So yes, I, I am pained. I am deeply pained. I do what I can to address it honestly, to be open minded in my dealings with people. So, yes, and the answer is yes, I am deeply pained. Greatly, am I pained enough? Greatly pained. Am I pained enough? I don't know. How would I know that? How would I know if I'm pained enough? Hmm. It, well, if you are greatly pained uh, and pained enough, uh, I would think it would motivate you to do everything that you possibly can to solve the problem of white supremacy racism so that no non-white people are being mistreated do you feel like you can honestly say that hey assessing the way that i use my time and energy 
uh, that I do every possible thing that I can to make sure that non-white people are not being mistreated, to make sure that I am constantly fighting against racism. Do you think you can truthfully say that? No, okay. I can't. I can say that I genuinely, honestly, at, the, at my very core, hope that nobody is mistreated. Not any black person, not any white person, not any elderly person. I don't want to see an animal abused. I don't want to see a child abused. I don't want to see anybody treated badly. But if you're asking me, do I regularly outreach to, a black, to the black community in an attempt to smooth the waters or an attempt to understand and recognize the issues that are facing black people? I, I do that. Yes, I do that very regularly. Am I going to be singularly uh, able to uh, turn the tide here to correct a problem that's existed for hundreds of years? Obviously not. And for any member of the black community to expect that of anybody, a black person or a white person, is simply unreasonable. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I don't agree. My response would be, I do not expect uh, white people, because I don't think that this sentence is accurate. Uh, we're two for two, just for folks who are keeping tabs. We're two for two. And interestingly, the two white people who said that they think this sentence uh, is accurate, they were both white women. Hmm. At any rate, um, I do not expect uh, white people to go out and do all that they can to try to combat and counter racism, white supremacy, uh, to try to make sure that non-white people are not being mistreated, to do everything that they can uh, to oppose and permanently disable all of the white people who are practicing racism. I do not expect that because I do not think that white people are greatly pained by racism. I think one of our uh, previous guest, Dr. Vanilla Randall uh, at the University of Dayton in Ohio, uh, she said she also does not think this sentence is accurate. Uh, she also does not think white people are greatly pained by racism. She says, if anything, it's been her experience, white people are greatly pained by having to talk about racism. That's when they show some anguish about all of this, not the fact that racism is being practiced or that they themselves might be practicing it. So no, I don't have that expectation just because I haven't seen that white people collectively, uh, and even you, you said that you don't, you can't truthfully say that you go out and do everything that you can to fight against racism. So I don't even, I don't believe that you are greatly plained uh, by racism, contrary to your answer. Um, but, but, but in truth, I do have conversations regularly with members of, of the black community. I do give serious thought to how I can be helpful in establishing better communications and establishing a better way of being together and overcoming injustices where, where, where they exist. But, you know, well, first of all, I, I'm not sure that I. Uh, I'm not sure that I could buy into the concept of uh, white supremacy. Is that different than white supremacism? I think it's the same thing. Is that right? I, you called I, me on. I, I don't so use this. I don't use that term, uh, white supremacism. <laughs> That's not a term that I use. I use the term white supremacy, okay. racism, and I gave you my definition for that. I can do so again. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. 
Uh, you said that you didn't think the definition was accurate, and that's fine. You're not the first we've had. No, I don't. Because on, honestly, Gus, I don't know anybody who is dedicated to abusing anybody. I, I think that life is too short for anyone or any group to have as their mission to regularly, constantly, consistently abuse, which these are your words. I don't think that's correct. I, I don't agree with that definition. I don't think that that's valid. I don't believe that white people collectively are dedicated to abusing black people. I think that's fallacy. Okay. That's, as I said, many people have said that they don't agree and that they don't think that's, uh, that is accurate. Although I will also say out of the thousands of programs that we've done at this point, there are also a large number of folks uh, who have Ivy League degrees just like you <laughs> and have published books. Yep. Uh, and they have said that absolutely it is accurate uh, and it is obvious that such a system does exist. So I would encourage listeners, you can come to your own conclusions, uh, do some studying. Um, you already mentioned sure. that you <clears throat> you grew up in New York uh, and that you frequently uh, in the New York public school system were the only uh, white child. Uh, at any point were you terrorized, abused, mistreated, fearful, being the only white child in this classroom setting? Never. It never occurred to me there was anything unusual about it. I honestly didn't, and I certainly recognized that the other children in my class were black and I was white, but it didn't, it wasn't until I was quite a bit older that I realized that there was something unusual about that. It just didn't strike me as odd. It's all I knew. It's the only classroom I'd ever been in. It's the only school I'd ever been in. And both of my sons also went to New York City public schools. And the ratio is still 70% minority. So my sons, both their classmates were in large part African-American, Hispanic, and, and other uh, non-white students. And it didn't matter to them, just like it didn't matter to me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be rude. I just. I think it's important for context. Can you like timestamp this? Like, what period was this when you were in in school? Well, I went to elementary school in the sixties. Okay. And my and my children went to elementary school in the nineties. Okay. Wow. In the wow. New York City public school system. That is a fascinating period of time to be in the New York uh, it really is. public school it system. It really is. I, I was telling Dr. Watkins, I don't know whether you listened to this clip, but my older son, who's now 26, when he was in kindergarten, there was a, there was a boy in his class who was the class troublemaker, and then all the parents were talking about this kid in the class who was the troublemaker, and uh, his name was James. And I was walking home with my older son from school one afternoon, and I, I said to, to my son, because it was early in the year and I didn't know who all the kids was, were, and I said to my son, which one, of, which one of your classmates is James? Is he the little black boy in your class? And my son said to me, nope. I thought, all right, I don't know who he is. The next day I'm at school and I'm talking to some of the parents, and I'm asking which one of, which one of these kids is James that everybody is saying is such a troublemaker? And all the parents told me, yeah, it's, it's that little black boy in the class. Well, one of the little black boys in the class. So that next afternoon, I'm walking home with my son up York Avenue, and I said to him, Daniel, I asked you yesterday whether James was, was the little black boy in your class, and you told me no. Why did you do that? To which my son said to me, well, he's not really black. He's sort of brown. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Great. Keen observation uh, from your, from your right. child. I was thinking. And what, and what that, oh, go ahead. And what that said to me is he doesn't see color either. He absolutely doesn't see color. Mm. Uh, I had one thought on that, but I had one, uh, a different thought that I think is, is equally important, um, where you said that the New York uh, City public schools, uh, predominantly black, ch- black non-white children, uh, you think you use the term minority, but I don't use that term. Uh, you said uh, it's mostly non-white children uh, that make up the New York public, uh, New York City public schools, um, that that was the case when you were a child, and that and continues still, to be the case, uh, even when your children right. were going through, and I think that's still the case 2015, uh, at least in my yes, opinion, uh, now I live thousands of miles away from New York, uh, here on the West Coast, but uh, unless my understanding is flawed, I would say that right there is an example uh, that invalidates what you're saying about white people being the majority, and that's why they're in control, because this is another environment, New York public schools, where White people are not the majority. It's mostly non-white children. I don't think too many people are going to honestly say that black people run New York public schools. Now, is that a false statement? That's a false statement because the chancellor of the New York City public school system, his mm. name is Willard or Willery. I forget, I forget his first name. Very distinguished looking, tall, handsome black fellow. He was deputy mayor under uh, Bloomberg, but he has been the chancellor of the New York City public school system for the last two or three years. So, yes, you're correct. You're incorrect because the public school system is, in fact, uh, run by a black man. And that was a big issue when they were looking to replace the chancellor, who previously the previous chancellor was a white woman. And that was an issue for many parents of public school children that a white woman who came out of the media industry, they felt didn't really have the sensitivity necessary to deal with their children. So the, and you could look this up, not lying to you. The chat, the chancellor of the New York city public school system is a black man. Oh, even, even in your response, uh, I don't think that statement is, is inaccurate. I think, uh, what I'm saying, I think it's true, uh, that black people are not in charge of the New York public school system. As you already stated, uh, we have a non-white president in the Oval Office right now. And I don't think that that evidence is that non-white people are in charge, black people specifically of the United States. It's very easy under the system of white supremacy to have a non-white person who has the title, whatever it happens to be, superintendent, president, vice president, attorney general. You can run all the way down the line. That does not mean that white people are no longer in charge. And the fact that what you just said, uh, it doesn't seem like this black person has been there for the past. excuse me, it doesn't seem like this black person has been there for the last 50 years. It sounds like this person has a relatively recent tenure. And even with that, I'm quite sure that this person still has to answer to more powerful white people about what's going to happen in the New York public school system. How long has this uh, person, I forgot his name, how long has he been in uh, his office currently? About three years, as I remember, about three years. And Reports to the mayor. As I understand it, he reports to the mayor. Mm. <laughs> Mr. de Blasio, who is a white Mr. man. Mr. de Blasio. Mm. Fascinating. Mr. de Blasio. Fascinating. Exactly. Fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're on the West Coast, but I'm assuming you know, you know about our mayor. You know about Mr. de Blasio. You know that his wife is a black woman, and you know that he has two children 
who are, who appear who look more black than they do white. You know that. <laughs> we we have uh, we have discussed Mr. De Blasio as well as his uh, quote unquote biracial children and his black wife uh, quite a bit on the program. I mean, we've been talking about the Eric Garner situation. How could we not talk about right, right. Uh, Mr. De Blasio as well as the unrest with Pat Lynch and everything that's that's unfolded right. over the past I don't know month, two months, or how long this all has been uh, going down. Um, I don't want to. Yep. Bog, I, I will I will come back uh, to some of that because I know we have a lot of New York listeners who might want to chime in about who is in charge of the New York public school system. Uh, I will remind folks of the po, uh, ProPublica report that came out, uh, I believe it was right at the beginning of spring. It might have been into winter, but earlier part of 2014 where they were talking about <clears throat> what is called school segregation uh, and basically having lots of schools that have a lot of poor black children in them that are almost like 90% black, sometimes even higher than that. Uh, and they were talking about the most quote unquote segregated schools are not in the South. They are in New York, which I think would be further evidence of what I'm talking about. Um, you said that you were not abused, terrorized, picked on. You didn't even, you weren't even aware that there was something strange about you being the only uh, white child in the school system uh, when you were uh, going through. You, when you were talking with Dr. Boyce Watkins, <clears throat> part of your discussion, you all discussed uh, white fear. Uh, you were saying that you thought, uh, matter of fact, I'll, I'll let you explain. What was your analysis? What is your analysis of why white people are uh, fearful of black people? Well, I think, and I, as you probably heard me talk with Dr. Watkins about this, I think that white people are fearful of black people because we recognize that the black community has rage, an understandable rage, and there's a fear as to how that rage is going to manifest. Uh, I think white people are fearful of black people in some cases because black people are bigger, they're stronger. They're faster. You know, these are just facts. Uh, but I think that that kind of physical superiority coupled with rage leaves many white people just plain afraid. Just plain afraid. Oh, are you, do you uh, have this fear of uh, black rage that, you know, this could be directed at you some point since you're a white woman? Well, I hope it's never directed at me. I, it's never been directed at me. I've never had a problem. I've never had this kind of problem. But I, I'm cautious. I'm cautious. I don't put myself in physical situations of risk. You know, I'm a fairly petite woman. I, you know, I, I couldn't handle myself in a in a physical altercation with any uh, uh, great success. And I, I don't go looking for trouble, but I can understand why some black people are, they're afraid of, some white people rather are afraid of black people because the statistics that are regularly put out in uh, all news forums is that the vast majority of violent crime is committed by black people. So it, it makes white people think, well, let me... You know, if I see four black teenagers standing on a street corner, cross over to the other side of the street. It's only practical. It's only logical. Take yourself out of harm's way when you can. Mm. 
pause for James Holmes. I know that trial is going on right now. Yeah. Um, have you ever been uh, attacked, a victim of any sort of violent crime by a black person? Has that ever happened to you? No, I've never mm. been a victim of any kind of violent crime by anybody. Well, oh. let me that. That's not quite true. Okay. That's not quite true. There was a time, there was one incident, and it was, it, you know, I smile when I think about it. It goes back to maybe 1980, 81. I was new in the city after graduating from college, and I was walking on the west side with a friend on Central Park West, and three or four black teenagers came over to me, and the fellow I was with, and he said, one of them said, give me your purse. I turned and screamed and ran away, and it was funny that I'm wearing five-inch heels, and I was able to outrun these three or four black teenagers. What that said to me was that they weren't seriously threatening me. If I could outrun them in heels, then they weren't making a very serious effort at, at getting me or getting my purse. So that's the only episode I ever had uh, where my person or my property was threatened. It happened to be black kids, but it, it was it was a non-issue because if I could outrun them in five-inch heels, then they were not very committed to causing me harm. Okay. So to me, that doesn't count as an incident because you've invalidated just with what you said that this doesn't seem like there was anything serious like they... It's, if it was oh. three black males, I know about the Central Park Five case and all that. I think if, oh, God, if folks are really out to try to uh, mug or rob you or what have you, uh, it would have got done, I think. So that seems like you have not been a, a victim of any sort of uh, no. violent crime. Um, no, a lot I have of not. Our listening uh, audience, at least from black people, and you said anybody, a lot of our listeners, uh, they uh, do not think that that is valid uh, because there's been a lot of talk about that uh, over the last four, five, since all of this started, Ferguson, blah, blah, blah. Um, basically, uh, the gist of, of their comment is that uh, we are in a system of white supremacy. I know you don't think that that's valid, but a lot of our listeners do think that that's accurate and that white people demonstrate <clears throat> a lot of force uh, when they have a problem. Uh, they get their tanks, their military, their guns, and they go handle things and that they do not uh, seem to show any fear uh, when they're ready to go out and deal with black people or anybody else uh, on the planet collectively, and that they think that this is just a ruse for white people like Darren Wilson uh, or Daniel Pantaleo to say, well, you know, I was afraid, so we had to shoot Amadou Diallo 41 times, or we had to choke out Eric Gardner. Uh, you know, I was afraid. So too bad. Akai Gurley, we were doing our vertical patrol and it was dark and I was afraid. And they just think that this does not add up. It just does not seem logical that this just seems to be an excuse for people who want to harm black people. Uh, what would your response? When be? You, just, you, just, Gus, you just said that white people are quick to get their tanks and get their guns. I don't know. I don't know a white person with a tank. Do you? Uh, I saw quite a few tanks in Ferguson uh, this past summer, and I didn't see any black people that were upset about what happened to Michael Brown. They didn't have tanks. It was the white people. It was uh, the chief of police in Ferguson, Mr. Jackson. It was Governor Jay Nixon, who said it is a state of emergency and I'm calling in the National Guard. It was white uh, people. Okay. Unless I've been misinformed and Jay Nixon, Governor Nixon in Missouri, unless he's not a white person, it was white people who were in charge of saying, we want tanks to be here. And I saw even some individuals who, to me, 
who were in these tanks or with these guns and what have you who were associated with the folks who had the tanks, they looked like white people to me. I didn't see not one person amidst anything that's happened over the last six months. I've not seen one time where it was black people who were upset about what happened to a black person who was killed, where they had tanks, where they were coming in and saying, we are done with NYPD. We're done with Ferguson Police Department. Uh, Black Lives Matter. And it's stenciled on my tank and do something to a black person if you want. I haven't seen that. Have you? No, I have not. And that's what I mean. Even a response like that, that to me seems like you're not really being honest because I think you know who is in charge of the military muscle in this area of the world, contrary to President Obama's presidents at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I think you know who's in charge. So to have a white person who's a Princeton alumnus give me a response like that, it does not seem sincere. It seems like you're not really being honest about what's happening on this planet. Seems like you could be practicing racism right now. I don't think so. I I don't know. Who does President Obama report to? Who does he report to? He surrounds himself with a cabinet. Let's get back. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the quiet. I don't want to get off on that. Let's get back to, uh, to, to the uh, question that we were on. You haven't been the victim of any sort of violent crime by any black person. We were talking about the fear aspect. Listeners saying that they think, that white people, and that's how we got diverted because I asked that question, they do not think white people are being honest. When people like you say that, hey, white people are afraid, black rage, blah, 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 they think that that's just an excuse to go out and abuse, mistreat black people. What is your response to that? I just don't think that's true. No, I have never been the victim of crime by a white or black person, but I do think that Fear is a factor, that there is a miscommunication, a misunderstanding. I think black people and white people, they don't communicate honestly with each other. But I don't think that the response, that the manifestation of the fear that white people fear, feel towards black people is this systematic abuse that you talk about. I just don't think that. Hmm. Are you aware of the situation that happened? And actually, I, I, I got to ask because I got it in front of me. Do you know who uh, Elif Gure Perez? I hope I'm saying her name correctly. Do you know who that is, Elif? I don't. You don't know? Okay. No. I'll, I'll bring that up later. Uh, that's push that to the side. Did you hear about the incident that happened uh, in Cleveland in 2012? It's been talked about a lot more recently because of uh, Tamir Rice, but there was a shooting in, right towards the end of 2012 where it was uh, a black male and a black female. Uh, they uh, were in a car that backfired, and the police heard this, and they thought it was gunfire. And so they uh, chased this couple, black couple. Uh, they chased them. Uh, the couple didn't stop or whatever they were told to do. They didn't do. They fled. They stopped. And the Cleveland Police Department, Cleveland's finest, they unloaded at least 137 rounds on this unarmed black couple. And... Uh- one white officer specifically, he said, like you, he was afraid. And so out of fear for his life, he jumped on top of this black couple's vehicle on top of the hood, pulled out his service issue weapon and fired 49 rounds into the windshield of this car. Unarmed black couple. Both of them were killed. 23 rounds uh, hit one of the black people, 24 rounds hit the other black person, a total of 137 rounds fired at these two unarmed people. And the excuse was 
we were afraid. Do you see what I'm saying about how people are hearing this consistently and it just, it seems like total malarkey. I do. I see what you're. No, I see what you're saying. You put your case forward in a in a logical manner. Uh, I absolutely see what you're saying. And no, I've not heard about this case. But if it if it is in fact as you are reporting it, as I'm I had no reason to doubt, it's it's an appalling, an appalling circumstance, a heartbreaking, dreadful. It's awful. It's an awful thing. It's an awful thing. Would it have been different if the two people in the car were white? I don't know. If the police officer heard what he thought was, was gun, gunfire when, when a car backfired, if the, if, if the police thought that they heard gunfire, if the two people in the car were white, would the response be the same? I honestly don't know. I don't know enough, I don't know, I don't know enough about the particulars to understand that, but I'm assuming what you're suggesting is that this all happened because the two people in the car were black? Uh, I would phrase it that I believe this happened because we have white people who are dedicated to the practice of racism, white supremacy, and they see black people. Excuse me. They don't even see us as human beings. They just see individuals who are classified as blacks as folks who can be mistreated, abused in any way, shape or form. And nothing will happen just as we saw play out with Daniel Pantaleo and Darren Wilson and myriad of other cases that have happened the past, you know, 300, 400, 500 years, however long you want to count. That's the way I would phrase it. But uh, I I do understand. I do understand that there have been many cases like that. I don't think that all white people feel that way or think that way or behave that way. And I, I think the percentage of white people who do is minuscule. You're saying that it's systematic, that it's worldwide. I'm saying it's a, it's a fraction. It's a fraction of a percent of white people who actually will be abusive like that towards anybody, towards black people or anybody else. You're talking about fanatics. You're talking about horrible deviance. I don't think that's most white people, Gus. I'm sorry. I just don't agree with you. That's fine. How many, how many, uh, what percentage of the global population is it your understanding that whites constitute globally? What percentage of the global population are white people? I swear to you, I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Okay. Do you think it's half, a quarter? Like, I mean, ballpark? Do you have any, any idea at all? I honestly don't know. You know, I honest, I honestly don't know. Hmm. <laughs> That's another one. Well, why don't you tell? I'm, I'm scratching. I'm scratching my head a little bit. Uh, again, we have an Ivy League alumnus, uh, Princeton I was University. An art major, Gus. I I'm was sorry? an art history major. I was an art history major. Art if you history want to talk major. about okay. right, you want to talk about Rembrandts. You want to talk about you know Mondrians. I could talk about that with you, but I can't talk about geography. I can't talk about uh, demographics. I can't talk about. I, you know, I, I won't talk about stuff I don't know. I absolutely know nothing about world populations. I don't. Even, I just don't know. Okay. Uh, you uh, you said talking to uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Boyce Watkins, black male. Um, you all were having a conversation. You told him Princeton. You said that you got. I guess some sort of notice that they were going to have uh, a reunion of some sort. And I think it was something that was supposed to be targeting uh, black alumni, unless I had been misinformed. Uh, and no, you're right. Okay. 
And you said you got it in the mail and you were like, wow, this, you know, this looks great. I want to go participate. Uh, there are uh, fellow black Princeton grads that I'm in contact with that I have, you know, that I'm friends with. We talk all the, or talk regularly, at least. Uh, I think this would be great. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to register. I'm going to go. And you spoke with uh, one of your fellow Princeton grads, black female, and she articulated that she had concerns about your participation. You all had some That's sort of. That's okay. right. Okay. And you said you all had some sort of uh, dialogue about all of this and that you eventually, uh, even though you didn't agree with her, you, I think you made that clear talking with Dr. Watkins, you didn't agree with her, but you eventually decided to go ahead and, and rescind your uh, registration. That's you right. didn't, you didn't participate. Um, That's right. Why is, and, and this was, it was kind of connected to a larger issue. I think you started the dialogue by saying that um, you felt that uh, it was the black students at Princeton, at least while you were there, maybe it's changed at, at that time, what have you, uh, but at least while you were there, that it was kind of uh, quote unquote segregated, that the black students would kind of come and they would have their own uh, services and what have you. So they would be all together. And then it was really difficult to kind of pull them out of that and to get them integrated and hanging out with other white people and what have you. They were just very comfortable in their own niche with the, the black students that they kind of came with and were, you know, going through the programs right. and what have you. Um, That's my, right. My first question is, uh, why is it that you think some of your black Princeton classmates, why is it that you think they've declined some of your invites to kind of come back and hang out and, and do the whole Princeton alumni thing? I'm really not sure that I understood it completely. I signed up for this program because I do have many friends in the class who are African-American. My freshman year roommate was black. And also because I happen to be president of my Princeton class, and I wanted to be on campus to participate in this program, to lend my support for this program and other programs like this, where the university outreaches to groups that maybe felt disenfranchised on campus during our undergraduate years. Uh, two, of my, two of my classmates were speaking on panels. I wanted to attend to hear their presentations. I thought it was all good until one of my classmates said that she was not supportive of the idea of my participating. We had long conversations about this. She said that she felt that my presence would be a hindrance to the uh, uh, conversation and interchange that black students would have with each other if there were no white people present. You know, This goes to the clip that you played before we started talking about you don't want to add too much cream to the coffee because then the coffee becomes something else. I get that, but a little bit of cream in coffee is not necessarily a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Uh, but when I spoke with her at length, she said that it was, and she positioned herself as speaking for many of our African-American classmates. So I thought, okay, I'll, you know, and, and with, to be respectful of her, and then I rescinded my uh, registration. But interestingly, in the past many uh, weeks or a couple of months since that uh, campus, since that program on campus, several of my classmates, my African American classmates who were there, said, Where were you, Susan? We saw you were signed up. We were looking forward to seeing you. Why didn't you come? So I have a feeling that I was maybe a little bit misled by that one classmate who said, and then again positioned it as she was speaking for a larger uh, population. I think I was a little bit misled, and maybe they just, she wanted the group to just be the black students. 
And again, you know, uh, you may not agree with me, your listeners may not agree with me, but I don't think a little cream in your coffee is such a bad thing. You, uh, some of the, the folks who said, you know, hey, Susan, where were you? Did you explain, you know, the process in terms of why you changed your mind to not attend? I did. When they said to me, you know, we saw you were registered, where were you? I said, well, actually, I was sort of told by a member of the class that maybe it wasn't my place to be there. To which, of course, they were very gracious and said, oh, nonsense. We, you know, we were looking for you. We hoped you would have been there. I mean, look, I'm a party girl. Wherever I go, I have a good time. People around me have a good time. So I'm sorry that I missed it. In retrospect, I think I made the wrong decision to rescind my registration. If I had it to do over again, I would respectfully go back to my classmate and say, I'm sorry that you feel that you would rather I didn't attend, but I will attend. I, I think that it's appropriate for me to be there. I'm eager to uh, demonstrate my support for this program and other programs like it, so I will attend. And I should have. Hmm. My bad. <sighs> I, uh, whomever this, the black, the original uh, black female that you were speaking with who said that, you know, they would prefer that you not be in attendance, I, uh, Completely, 1,000% uh, am in agreement with her and appreciate her for voicing uh, those sentiments uh, to you. Um, if this was, I know you said you're art history, right? But I assume right. you have some passing knowledge of U.S. history. Uh, if this was 1865, uh, do you think black people would have a reason, a legitimate, valid reason to be suspicious and or uncomfortable around whites? In 1865? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it were 1965, legitimate, valid reason to be suspicious, uncomfortable around whites? Yeah. 2015? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, yep. uh, that, well, that, that, unless I'm in error, that does seem to contradict a little bit because you were talking with Dr. Uh, Boyce Watkins, and now there are several of these conversations. I thought it was just one, or I guess it was just one initially. Now they're like three or four. Um, no, we'll talk every week, and you know, it's it's it, these are conversations that Dr. Boyce and I look forward to having. Uh, and it seems like a, a week doesn't go by when there isn't just lots and lots of stuff to talk about. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Mm. Um, where you were speaking with him and you were saying that we need to, we being white people, black people, you were saying we need to come together and not have these suspicions. Uh, and I, that I starred that because I say all the time, uh, that is in my opinion, one of the major problems is that black people, non-white people do not have the correct level of suspicion for white people. Even like you yourself, I pointed out several times where I've said, Hey, uh, Ms. Patton, I think you could be practicing racism talking with me right now in some of your responses. You just said, hey, if it was 1865, 2015, black people would have a legitimate reason to be suspicious, uncomfortable around whites. And I think that's something that is important. And it sounds like you did not say that uh, when you were talking to Dr. Watkins. You were saying that we should come without having suspicions uh, or, you know, being uncomfortable or having any sort of thought that, hey, this white person might practice racism against me. Did I remember that incorrectly? No, it's not that you remembered it incorrectly, but it's a more nuanced answer than that. I think that I do understand why black people approach white people with suspicion. I get that. But I think it's important to move beyond it. That, that you have to, as white people, have to approach black people without fear. If we're ever going to come to a point where blacks and whites interact honestly, openly, 
peacefully, fairly. It requires black people to enter into the equation without suspicion, and it requires white people to enter into the equation without fear. So I don't think that I contradicted myself. It's unlikely that I would because I, I'm, I'm pretty clear in my own head as to what I believe. Yes, I do understand that there is suspicion. I do understand. I said at the beginning of this broadcast, I understand that it's difficult to be a black person in America. I do understand that. But if this is where you are, you have to get over it. You have to move forward as best you can. You have to rise above your suspicion, just as for me to get along in the city that I live in that has such a large population of black people, I have to rise above my fear and interact with black people on a regular basis, and I do, and I do. So I think that if we approach each other with maybe our your suspicion and my fear sort of very much in the background, it's always going to be there because that's just human nature. But I think we have to be honest with each other and open-minded and recognize that you're not going to hurt me and I'm not going to disrespect you. I think that's the only way that we can move towards a better place in terms of, of addressing and resolving the issues of racism and the difficulties that come with it. Hmm. Do you that, disagree? That entire uh, response that you just gave, I would say that is another example right there that I would say, in my opinion, I strongly suspect uh, Susan Patton uh, was deliberately, consciously practicing racism. And I'll emphasize my suspicion is front and center uh, anytime I'm talking to a white person, uh, including you, because that just none of that makes sense at all. Uh, and a lot of that is rooted in what do we mean when we say racism, uh, and frequently, I listened to all of the conversations that I could find. I saw there was one that was just yesterday. Uh, at least it was uploaded yesterday yep. with Dr. Uh, Watkins. Yeah. Oh, where, and, and also the false equivalence, before I get to my point, you said we should come in where black people are saying, hey, uh, I am not. The white person is saying, hey, I might be fearful, but I am not going to be fearful that the black person is going to hurt me and the black person should come to the conversation saying, hey, I'm not going to think that this white person is going to be disrespectful. I don't know why it would not be equivalent both ways, uh, even that would presentation. Be. Actually, would be. And, and you did that twice. You said be. the same thing when you were talking to Dr. Watkins and I put an underline right there because that's hugely significant for me for many reasons. I won't go into it right now, but just for listeners, may, very important. But the crux of it is we, I won't say we, uh, in the conversation that we're having now, and I hear this consistently amongst whites, they talk about racism as though this is a spat between neighbors, as though we're just having a, a little tiff that goes on and we argue some kind of Hatfields and McCoy. That's not what this is at all. <laughs> racism is white supremacy, terrorism against black people. And so when you have a more accurate understanding, when we're being honest about racism, we don't have these kind of, we just need to come and we don't know it. That's not the problem at all, that we don't know each other or that we come and I'm suspicious. And yet that's not the problem at all. The problem is white people. And I suspect one could be you practice terrorism against black people in all areas of people activity. It's not just Daniel Pantaleo and these little isolated incidents that's just one blip on the screen of many 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 problems in all areas of people activity where black people are being harmed non-white people in total 
But black people, especially, this is terrorism. And those sort of presentations, in my opinion, it's not honest. You came when you started on the program. You said being honest about this problem. When I called you the other time where you're saying, well, I don't know any white people who have tanks. That right there, in my opinion, another deliberate, I suspect, could be a deliberate act of racism. We're not being truthful about the imbalance of power that white people have and the long history of them terrorizing the violent terrorism that they have inflicted on black people. And not just in terms of warfare and guns and all of that, economic terrorism, where we're talking about gentrifying and redlining, that is economic terrorism against the black people. And even the school situation, I sat on this one and I thought, number one, I would encourage folks to read the newspaper. Very important. There's so much information about racism, white supremacy in the newspaper. Just read the newspaper. And the second thought I had is that I know way too much information about New York to be thousands of miles away. When I mentioned the name earlier, Elif Gray Perez, I hope I'm saying her name correctly. This was posted uh, last week in the New York Post, a tale of two de Blasios. Of course, we talk about Mayor de Blasio on this program all the time. Uh, This report reads... In the eight years, and I just clarify for listeners, I'm not of the opinion that white people are ignorant. I'm not even really reading this for Ms. Patton. I'm reading this for listeners. Uh, But the report reads, in the eight years I've been advocating on children's educational issues, I've seen a lot, but nothing to compare to Mayor de Blasio's latest shocker. The Post this week revealed that the mayor's Department of Education hired Elif Gure Perez, the former principal of PS 316 in Brooklyn, to head its Office of School Improvement. She's in charge of supporting 14 struggling high schools with majority black and Latino students in his $150 million school renewal program. Yet, as the Post reported, a jury had found Gure Perez liable for yelling at her parent coordinator, get out of my office, you nigger. Get out, in quotes. The city will be paying $110,000 in damages, and there seem to be many other substantiated accusations and pending cases against her. I don't know this. I know this, but this is in the New York Post, and the reason that I'm reading this is twofold. It's number one, when I said earlier about who is in charge of the New York public school system, and I said it's not Black people, even though, as we are all in agreement, New York Post included, it's mostly non-white students in the school system. Non-white people are not in charge of the school system. You said that was a false statement. Contraire, mo frere. This would seem to support what I'm saying. The second reading that the reason that I'm reading this is, as I said, it's nonsense when people say that sort of just it's malarkey, which I would say it more emphatically than that about we just need to come together and not be suspicious and fearful. No. Non-white people, black people, you should have astronomical suspicion of every single white person that they are either directly participating in this sort of behavior or, as you said, you're not really doing anything. You're not doing as much as you possibly can to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen, which still makes you culpable as a white person. I think that so much of what you've said, Gus, is so inflammatory. It's so over the top. The the notion of has I said anything incorrect? Let's be let's be clear because I want to make sure. Did I say anything incorrect? Oh yes. Many what did things- I say that's incorrect? 
you said white people are terrorists, Did you, and you repeated it. You said it over and over and over again that white people are terrorists. Ma'am, do you I didn't not say know that white people are terrorists? Is? I said that racism is terrorism, and the history of what white people have done collectively is practice terrorism, racism against black people. Now, either that's true or it's not. I don't believe that white people are practicing terrorism. You know, we're living in a, in a time in a world where terrorist threat has, it, it, it means something specific. It means something very specific. And I think to, to, to manipulate that word to satisfy your own um, uh, uh, position in terms of making it clear that you think white people are terrible and are committed to doing bad things to black people, I think that it's inappropriate and I think it's wrong. I focus on, well, let's go with the report that I just read. Do you think what is reported, or this is, we had a settlement here, a jury found that Gure Perez was liable. Do you think her yelling at a black person, get out of my office, you nigger, get out, is that terroristic behavior? It's stupid behavior. Is it? I, 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 just answer the question. Is it terroristic is it? behavior? No, it's stupid behavior. Okay, well, we have a major disagreement right there. And again, that sort of language, you did the same thing when you were talking to Dr. Watkins, when you all were having a discussion about the Revlon CEO who was making racist comments about black people. And you said, I lost count of how many times you said the word stupid. That, in my opinion, that is incorrect. If we're going to solve this problem, we need to have accurate, honest conversation. Racist behavior However, is not stupid. Whatever. In my view, that is incorrect. To label this sort of behavior as stupid or ignorant, that sort of thing happens all the time where white racist behavior is excused as ignorant or stupid or foolish or this is in it. No, 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 no. no. But this that's is, what is terrorist. No, it's not. I disagree. And you're interrupting me. Allow me to finish and then I'll let you respond. It is terroristic behavior. This is the sort of conduct that leads to why a Daniel Pantaleo can choke out an unarmed black person and then there's no trial. That is exactly how all of this fits together as a global system of terrorism. I said it's economic terrorism when they have these reports, whether it's New York, Alabama, anywhere in the world where black people are struggling to get housing, to get employment, business opportunities. That is economic terrorism. That is not white people being stupid. That is not white people being foolish. And that sort of language, in my opinion, I think that could be a deliberate act of racism on your part. And it's collective because you're not the only one. This is not an individual thing. This happens all the time where white people's racist, terroristic behavior doesn't get classified that way. It just gets talked about as stupid. Even Donald Sterling, people saying stupid. Wait a minute. We had a million dollar lawsuit against Donald Sterling about this guy harassing and terrorizing black and non-white tenants. This is not stupid. This is terroristic behavior. And there have been quite a few reports since you said you didn't agree with my uh, use of the word terrorism and said that I was using it for my own ends in terms of why I would use this word that way. People have done a lot of scholarship about who gets to decide when the word terrorism can be used. And people have even noted, it seems to be we reserve this word only for when white people want to designate other non-white people and say, this is a terrorist. We don't think of James Holmes, the white man who went and shot up the theater. He doesn't get labeled a terrorist. 
Even Anders Breivik, the white man who went and killed all those people in Oslo, Norway, he doesn't get labeled a terrorist. It only gets reserved for when it is a black person, non-white person, then it is acceptable to use the word terrorism, and that, in my opinion, should be changed. Racism is terrorism, and all of that really would come down to what do you mean when you say terrorism? What is your definition for the word terrorism? Well, let me first say that the CEO, the Revlon CEO that made stupid comments about black people also made stupid comments about Jewish people. I didn't see it as a terror, as a, as terrorism. Terrorism means that your physical being is at risk by fanatic factions that want things that frequently are unreasonable or when we talk about terrorism... Oh, wait a minute. I just want to make sure, because definitions are very important. I just want to make sure I got your definition. You said uh, terrorism is when you believe your physical being is at risk because of fanatics and what they might be willing to do to you. Is that an accurate paraphrase of what you said? Pretty much. Although, okay, you know, let's, so let's apply no, that because no, I said, I said Gray Perez was practicing terror because you said I was incorrect. I just want to get this response and then you continue. Okay. So based on your definition... Uh, this white woman, Gore Perez, yelling at a non-white parent, get out of my office, you nigger, get out. That's not an act of terrorism. That wouldn't lead you to any reason to think, whoa, my physical being might be in harm's way because of this fanatic yelling at me, calling me a nigger and telling me to get out. That's not terrorism by your definition? No, it is not. Okay, continue. Terrorism is when this crazy woman, Perez, holds a gun to this black woman's head and says, if you don't do X, Y, Z, I'm going to pull the trigger. That's terrorism. Calling somebody a stupid name, making an anti-Semitic remark or a racist remark, it's not terrorism. It's stupid, and it reflects more on the, the person who is making the remark than it does on the person who's receiving it. I think that to use the term terrorism is sensationalistic. It's hyperbole. I think that just what we don't need is to ratchet up this atmosphere of fear and mistrust. So I would think it's it's not appropriate to label this kind of stupidity. And I know we're not agreeing here, Gus. I'm saying it's stupidity. You're saying it's terrorism. No. And the terrorism that we're dealing with today is not with black people. It's with it's with the nation of Islam. These are not black people. These are not black people, but these are terrorists. So let us not say that stupid white people who say stupid things are terrorists, because they're not. Terrorists are people who would chop heads off of other people for their for religious for absurd religious fanaticist reasons. Wow. The nation of Islam. Wow. That is, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to leave that. I hope listeners uh, caught that. We do. We clearly do not agree. Uh, I would encourage listeners to think for themselves. Number one, you should think about her definition of terrorism. Uh, I think if, if you think it is accurate, uh, and in my opinion, I would encourage listeners, again, think for yourself, but I would encourage listeners 
Uh, that sort of commentary, even if it's with the Revlon CEO, white person, he was saying that he thought uh, he could smell black people when he uh, walked into a room. And he made some other comments as well that you touched on uh, this uh, Gure Perez. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. Her yelling at a black uh, parent coordinator. It wasn't just a parent, parent coordinator yelling at her. Uh, I would encourage listeners to think, is that behavior connected to all of the other problems that you see black people having in all areas of people activity up to and including what people have been talking about with Michael Brown Jr. who gets classified as a demon. Is all of that connected and is that terrorism? You should come to your own conclusions. I certainly have mine. Uh, we will check the phone lines uh, and feel free. If I'm talking crazy, feel free to chime in and let me know uh, that I'm not making sense at all. If you think, you know, what you've heard from uh, Miss Patton is more accurate, if she's more <clears throat> uh, being correct in terms of, of what we're discussing this evening. Uh, the person uh, who dialed in. Whew, my voice is uh, <laughs> I'm feeling a little, little bit. I am still not 100 percent, but I'm hanging in. Uh, the person who dialed in three, three, five, eight, three, three, five, eight. Did you have a question for uh, Miss Patton? And we don't have time for a lot of statements because there are a lot of callers. So let's try to be efficient. Just get to your question. Get to your question. Get to your question. Three, three, five, eight. I think this is Tapello. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Greetings. Greetings. Um, I got a few questions. Um, one question one, if racism is a part of the justice system, does justice happen? Did you hear his question, Ms. Patton? If racism is a part of the justice system, does justice happen? Is that, was that the question? Yes. If racism is a part of the justice system, does justice happen? I think justice is colorblind. That's what we were taught. That's what I believe. That's how it should be. I don't, I don't see it otherwise. I don't see it otherwise. So is there justice? So yes, I think for the most part, yes, there's justice. Is there time? Are there times when the justice system fails? Yes, of course. It's not a, it's not a perfect system, but it's the best system We've got. Wait a minute. Now you just contradicted yourself. You just said there was justice, but then it says you said it doesn't work. No, I said that, that, yes, there that, is that, justice. That, that doesn't mean it's justice. That's not justice. Then. Well, I'm saying that yes, there is justice, but sometimes the system fails. Most of the now, time, the now, system now works. The was, sometimes the it fails. The question was if racism is a part of the justice system, does justice happen? That's I'm saying no. Racism is racism is not a part of the justice system. And yet, the Constitution contradicts you. I don't think so. What part? What part of the Constitution suggests the 13th and that Fourteenth Amendment? I'm sorry. Say it again. The Thirteenth and Fourteenth Amendment. Which says, I'll let you figure that one out. Let's move on to the next one. Do you think lynching a person because of their skin color is dedication 
is dedication. Yes, you made her statement that you don't think white people are dedicated to um, racism. And I asked you, do you think lynching a person because of his skin color is dedication? I think it's an appalling, so it's a horrific crime that, I mean, who's, who's going to say anything other than how appalling and how disgusting a crime that is? Is it dedication? You know, is, there, is it dedication? Is it is yes or no? Do you think you have to be dedicated to kill somebody based on their color? Do I think that there in the past have been white past? Americans? No, we, we, got, we don't have past. We got things going on today. So do you think because of somebody's color that you have to be dedicated? We don't have to go, we don't have to go back 20 years. I'm not aware that, that, people, that anybody is being lynched. Lennon Lacey, Khalid Flimban. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're just was a uh, black I'm not, female. You can Google this stuff. I'm not you aware. can Google this stuff now. You can Google this stuff now. I mean, we, we have the computer. We have computers. I'm not aware of it. Honestly, so, you know, I'm not being so, coy. I'm honestly not aware that people, with, that people are being lynched um, today. I'm, I'm trying to be concise here, ma'am. Um, uh, you're, you're, you're really going around the bush. I, it's a very simple question. Do you, I ask you a question. Do you think a, a person who lynches another person based on the color would be dedicated? That's a, that's, that's a yes or no question. You have to be dedicated to lynch somebody. And you going around the question. Let's go to the next one. You haven't answered that one. All right. You said your son doesn't see color, yet he identifies the color brown. What do you mean when you say seeing color? What I mean is he doesn't, he didn't when he was a very young boy in school recognize racial differences based on skin color. He didn't recognize the color Racial brown. differences based on skin color. He didn't understand. He, he that recognized the color brown. In the same way, he would recognize a little girl in the class as being pink because she has rosy cheeks. Or in the same way, he would recognize somebody else as maybe being, you know. So, so do you mean he did not recognize his status over another person because of their color? Is that what you? Is that what no, you're it has nothing to do with status. He didn't understand that the color of his classmates' skin could make a difference in how they were perceived, or how they were brought up, or what their cultural orientation would be. Okay. Uh, let's go to white fear. If whites fear blacks, then why do whites go out of their way to cause problems for blacks? I don't and believe I'll they do. I don't believe so they don't do. Think, so you don't think that the assassination of Patrice Lumumba is, a, is going out of your way to uh I'm sorry, but you're, you're, you're citing 
examples that I'm simply not aware of the particulars. I, I've uh, not read about this you're not case. Aware, you're not aware of who the, Patrice Lumumba is? I am not. What about Mel, Mel, uh, Martin Luther King? Are you aware of Martin Luther King? Yes, I am. And, you know, you're the nature you do, of your, are you, You're aware he's a, he was assassinated, correct? By the United States government, I must, I must say that, that the, the manner in which you're interrogating me is bordering on disrespectful, and there's no reason well, for that. I'm asking you questions, ma'am. You, you, you're the one who's claiming that this stuff doesn't exist. I'm asking questions, and you haven't answered one question. I think I have most certainly answered your questions. Yes, I'm aware of Dr. Martin Luther King, and I'm aware that he was assassinated. I'm also oh, aware that John that, Kennedy was assassinated. I'm aware that 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 uh, Robert Kennedy was said, assassinated. I'm aware that Mahatma Gandhi was whites assassinated. Whites didn't go out of their way. You said whites didn't go out of their way, and I think you're wrong about that. Whites did go out of their way in Memphis, so he was assassinated in Memphis. That means they had to get his location. That was set one up a time. Man. That was one man, one man, one, one man? white man, one white man that went out of his way. <laughs> one white man stalked Martin Luther King by himself. I don't know. One white man and also, and also was judged and was found not guilty. So it was one white man. I'm not sure. What, what, is it that you, what is it that you're asking me? What do you want to know? I asked the question. We were talking about black fear. We were talking about whites fearing blacks. And I'm asking you, okay, if they fear, if they fear blacks, then why are they going out of their way to, to cause wars in countries, uh, kidnap people, uh, like what happened down there in, in uh, Haiti? Um, I'm not aware of what you're talking uh, about. I'm not aware of what you're so talking about. You're not aware about. of nothing that goes on outside the United States. It stands All right. to We'll have to uh, leave it there okay. for Tapello because we do have other people that called in and yeah. want to get their questions. Yes, in. sir. Yes, uh, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Thanks right a lot. Uh, Mr. Scotty Reed, founder, Black Talk Radio Network. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Your line should be open. Um, greetings to you, Gus. Greetings to um, the uh, guest, Miss Patton. Um, I'll just read. I'll, I'm going to try to be quick as possible. Terrorism, because uh, words are important, and Dictionary.com calls terrorism the use of violence and threats to intimidate or coerce, especially for political purposes. Um, New York City, we can look at stop and frisk. We can look at the hundreds of black people killed by law enforcement officers. Um, we can look at the war on drugs, which is disproportionately targeting um, uh, black and brown communities. Um, the second definition it gives under terrorism, the state of fear and submission produced by terrorism or terrorization. So I could say that that, that teacher um, calling that woman a nigger and yelling at her, that that was intimidation. Um, if I was her, I would have certainly been in fear. So I think Gus is correct in his use of the word terrorism, given the de definitions that dictionary.com gives. Now, but here's my question. Be, but what exactly would you be, what, what would you be afraid of? You'd be in fear if somebody called you the N-word, a woman called you, another woman, the N-word, what, what exactly would you be afraid of? What would you be in fear of? Well, given, given the, his, I would be afraid of violence, given the historic use of the word nigger in this country, which has usually been followed by violence. I understand so. that, but in the case of Ms. Perez calling 
the parent volunteer the N-word. Um, do you honestly think the parent volunteer thought that Ms. Perez was going to come after her physically? I can't answer that question. I can't answer Nor that can question I. for her. Nor can I. But I think, it's, I think that it's very likely that in the setting of whatever the school bureaucracy is in that office, nobody's going to come after each other with fists or knives or guns. It was a stupid thing for her to say to the parent volunteer, but the parent volunteer was not in any kind of physical risk. I think we could agree on that. Er, no, wait a minute, wait no. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The report goes on to say other incidents with Miss Gure Perez uh, I'm aware of include threats of physical violence and other cases where police reports have been filed. I don't know what to say about that. I, I, well, I, I don't know well, what resorts to physical violence, certainly not in an office setting, my gosh. I don't understand how she has her job. I don't know who this woman is. I've never read about her. I've never heard her name before you mentioned it today. Well, well, Ms. Patton, my only point was is that he was using the word terrorism. By the definition, he was using it correctly, and there are many examples of terrorism. But that's not my question. I would like to move past that. Um, the question, I w first I would need you for you to clarify something for me um, on the subject of fear. And you said about blacks being involved in uh, most violent crime. Uh, could you clarify that if you can recall uh, your exact words? Well, what I said is the way that, that when crime statistics are reported in the media, the preponderance of violent crimes are being reported as having been committed by blacks. Now, granted, most of the time it's black-on-black black crime, but nonetheless, the, the majority of violent crime is reported as being perpetrated by blacks. That's what I mean. Okay, and do you believe those reports? Do I let me rephrase those that. Let, let, let uh, me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Do sure. you... Okay. Um, do you believe, as the way the media is reporting on violent crime and presenting them to you as uh, always being black people involved in violent crime, do you believe that black people are, are, are engaged in the preponderance of violent crime in this country? Well, first of all, it's not all crimes are committed by black people. But the way the media portrays it, most violent crimes are being committed by people of color. Do I believe that? I guess I do believe it because that's how it's being reported. I have no reason to believe otherwise. It's not as though I've seen contradictory reports that say, no, 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 most violent crime is being committed by whites. I haven't seen contradictory reports. It seems as though the reports are pretty consistent in saying that most violent crime is being committed by people of color. So, yeah, and I do. We're talking, we're talking media reports and not the FBI crime statistics, right? I'm is assuming that, that the media, I, I'm assuming, and again, I don't know this for sure. I'm not an investigative reporter, but I'm assuming that media outlets are getting their statistics from the Department of Justice. I would imagine, where else would they be getting these reports? I don't think they make it up out of whole well, cloth. If, if they were, then 
the FBI crime statistics show that violent crime is pretty much the same in the white community as it is in the black community and that white people commit most of the violent crimes or any kind of crime that's committed against white people is done by other whites. Um, again, if you're living in a Hispanic community that's predominantly Hispanic, then most of the violent crime in that particular community would be, you know, Hispanic on Hispanic crime. And so what's key here is you're talking about the media. The media is presenting this information to you, and you're taking it as the gospel truth. Um, I, I'm assuming that's what I'm gathering from your comments, is, and you're assuming that they do not lie. Now, you said that most of this fear is based on, you know, fear that white people have of black people is based on miscommunication. Did you not say that? Well, I think it's based on misunderstanding. I think black people and white people don't understand each other very well. I don't think that black people understand why whites are fearful. I don't think white people understand why black people are suspicious. I understand why white people are fearful, and it's not because of miscommunication, but it's deliberate communication by the way the media presents crime uh, to um, white people. We can look at Fox News. We can look at CNN. We can look at the New York Post. And, and, and so we can see racism in the way that media is reported. And I believe that is, is a big factor in why a white person uh, will be fearful. Uh, that is being, that's being be. communicated to them. That Go could ahead. very well be, because if this is the news that's being presented, this is the news that we hear, you know, you can't question everything. You don't have the time to research contra contradictory information. You hear it, you process it, however you process it, you put it in the back of your head and you move on. Well, I, I will leave you with this. I do not think it's logical for intelligent people to believe everything that they hear and to just accept um, as truth. Uh, things that's being presented to them without doing further investigation, and, and that's a huge problem. Thank you for t uh, answering my questions. What a pleasure to speak with you. Have a good evening. Uh, caller at 7537-7537. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Yes, I do. Uh, I first have a quick comment. Uh, this program is the textbook definition of dedication. But uh, my question is, I'm from New Orleans, and I was in New Orleans. Well, I was in the Baton Rouge area, but I'm from, I was in New Orleans at the time for Hurricane Katrina. And I'm pretty sure that you're aware of what down with the hurricane that hit New York City a couple of years ago. Is it, are you familiar with the hurricane that hit New York a couple of years ago, uh, Ms. Patton? Yes, of course. Okay, so you're aware of the black people that were stuck in the city that were unable to get food and necessities during the time of the uh, storm, is that correct? It wasn't just black people, it was white people too, who were stranded, who were who couldn't get out of their houses, who who died in... Okay. But it, it wasn't so just black people. Yes, I'm aware that Katrina was devastating for a, a broad population. Well, my, my question was for the Hurricane in New York. For the Hurricane in, oh, Hurricane Sandy, I'm sorry, you said Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. 
Yes, I'm it, certainly yeah, aware yeah. of the, and it, it was devastation in New York, in New Jersey, in Long Island. Yes, most certainly. Okay, so for both for both of those storms, black people were universally affected. So, do you think that that was dedication, or do you think that that was terrorism on the part towards uh, black people? It, again, again, Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy did not target black people. It, I it, did not say that. Okay, but you're saying that there were black people stranded, but there were white people stranded too. I there didn't say they were stranded. I said they were weren't able to get the necessities. That's, That's the same thing as saying they were stranded. stranded. It's the same thing. White people likewise were stranded in their homes. They couldn't get out to get necessities. They couldn't get food or water or diapers for babies. It wasn't just a black problem. It was a problem for everybody affected by the storm. Okay, but on average, uh, white people in New York have much more money than black people. Is that correct? I don't know that. I don't. I guess so. This is New, York, so. this is New York City. Okay, I suppose New York so. City is one of the richest cities in the, uh, in, our, in the country. Okay. And I would think that the white people, especially white people in Manhattan, and specifically much more money than black people in Harlem or Brooklyn or the Bronx. And? So don't you think that even if those white people were, quote-unquote, stranded, they would have much more resources or able to get more resources during this hurricane? as opposed to the black people that were stranded or living in uh, substandard housing? I'm, I'm not making the connect here. You're saying that during Hurricane Sandy, black people were without necessities, but white people were also without necessities. And depending well, on where... I'm saying that white people in New York also have much more resources. They are more wealthy in New York. But what does, that have to do with, New York. what does that have to do with Hurricane Sandy? that means that they were probably able to prepare or able to get access to resources better than white, uh, than black people. Well, well, not, it, not, well to, make this quick, to make this real quick, uh, like I said, black people were universally affected, meaning that there was some sort of education and terrorism towards black people who weren't able to get resources during both Katrina and Sandy. And I in my question right there. Oh my in my statement right there. Okay. Uh, the caller at four nine four two four nine four two. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Your line should be open. Yes, greetings, everyone on the line. Greetings. Um thank you. Miss Patton, you said that there is black rage that is a part of white fear of black people. Can I get a definition for black rage, please? Well, the definition I would give you is only my own definition. I think that black people have a, an anger that comes from years of oppression. Uh, it's residual rage over their ancestors having been enslaved. Uh, and it makes them angry. It makes them just angry, and I think the rage is the way they release that anger, and white people are fearful of how and when and where that rage will be released. So again, I, you know, I don't have a, I, I, I'm not giving you a textbook definition of black rage, but 
it's my own definition of the anger that black people feel based on hardship or oppression or lack of opportunity or residual from ancestors having been enslaved. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And so you're saying black rage is based on enslavement, right? That we are basically just angry about slavery? No, no. It's about many things. It's about that. It's about lack of opportunity or they're angry about lack of, of resources or they're angry about any number of things that anybody might be angry, angry about if they feel that things just aren't going their way. Anybody would feel rage if they feel as though they haven't gotten a fair shake. And many black people feel that they haven't gotten a fair shake. And in many regards, they haven't. So it's not as though that black rage is not understandable. It is understandable. The problem is, I don't know how, as a white person, I don't know how and when and where it's going to be manifest. So I want to be a little careful about where I tread and how I tread, lest I unleash it unknowingly. Does that make sense? Not exactly, but um, moving on. So slavery, do you think slavery was a crime? Of course it was. Do you think there's injustice for slavery? Well, slavery ended 150 years ago? No, it did not. I'm sorry? No, it did not. Slavery continues to go on today under the 13th Amendment. I'm not sure what you're referring to. I'm not sure what you're referring to. I can't to. read the con- I can't read the Thirteenth Amendment to you verbatim right now because I'm not. I don't have it in front That's of okay. me. That's okay. Just tell me but what you're. As to. my understanding of it is, is that slavery was abolished except in the case of commitment of crime. Meaning, if you commit a crime, you are incarcerated. Enslaved. Incarcerated. Enslaved. That is what the Thirteenth Amendment says. It says. Slavery has been abolished except in the commitment of a crime. Well, if you've committed a crime, I'm sorry, all bets are off. You lose your right to live a full and and satisfying life if you commit a crime. Don't commit a crime. Okay. You lose your moral yeah, standing. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to go ahead and move on. Um, I have one last question for you. You said earlier that the Nation of Islam is a terroristic threat that we are facing right now. Um, who has historically and presently been members of the Nation of Islam? I have no idea. I have no idea. But if you listen to the news, it is ISIS that we are concerned about. We're concerned about further terrorist attacks on U.S. soil. We're concerned about beheadings around the world, and these seem to be terroristic crimes committed by ISIS members of of Islam. Isn't that right? I have no further questions. Thank you for answering my questions. Guess you can go to the next caller. Right on. Uh, The caller at 5320. I'm glad other folks caught that. Nation of Islam. 5320. Your line should be open. Did you have a question uh, for Miss Susan Patton? Yes, Matthew Hurt. Yes, ma'am. 
Uh, good evening, Gus, and good evening, Miss Patton. Um, good evening. I just wanted, hi. I just wanted to, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like us. I'm not in the business of educating white people, but um, I just wanted to correct you, Dennis Walcott. The um, chancellor. The Dennis Walcott, exactly right. Dennis Walcott, right, exactly right, right. Right. Yes. Well, anyway, um, Dennis Walcott succeeded Kathy Black, a white woman, who yes. resigned in in 2011 after only three months on the job. The current chancellor's name is Carmen Farina. Ah. Okay. Well, you know that my sons are both long out of the New York City public school system, so I guess I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it anymore. Uh, they were—they both went through New York City public schools, and I was very aware of uh, of the chancellorship when they were both students, but they're both out of college already, so uh, my information was amiss. But I do remember Dennis Wolcott. That's that's his name, Dennis Wolcott. Thank you for reminding me. You said you live on the Upper East Side. Of New York yes, City. How long have you lived there? I've lived here since 1978. A long time. How many black people are in that neighborhood? I don't know. I really don't know. I have no idea. Again, I'm not a statistician. I'm not a. I, I'm not aware of demographics. I mean, I certainly have black people. I, I see black people in my supermarket. I see black people in my post office. I see black people when I walk the streets to get to, you know, wherever I'm going to do errands. So there's, there's a lot of black people. I live in New York City. There are a lot of black people who live in New York City. In your neighborhood, you're not aware of how many, how many white people live in your neighborhood. I have no way of knowing. But I know that there are a lot of black people and there are a lot of white people. It's a very uh, robust neighborhood, a very diverse neighborhood, I see black people all the time in my building, in my supermarket, in the post office, wherever I go, in the, in the shops, in the Gap, in the Banana Republic in the neighborhood. I see black people everywhere. Why are you asking? There's, are you a, banana there's a Banana Republic in your neighborhood? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, my next question. Um, have you traveled outside of the United States? I have. I've been. I've been to Europe a couple times. I've been to Canada, and I guess I've been to Mexico. But that's it. Okay. You said at the beginning of the show that if you were a black person, you would not live in the United States because it's not a good environment for them. Just as being a Jew, you would not live in Germany. So my question is to you: Do you know of any place on Earth where black or non-white people would be in an environment where they are equal in every area of people activity to white people. I honestly don't know. I just don't know. I've seen okay, people, when, so I've been, when I've been in Europe, when I've been in Paris, when I've been in, 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 in France, I've seen black people and they seem completely integrated in the life and in the economy of, the, uh, of that city. But again, I'm not much of a world traveler, but certainly in Paris, I've been to Paris several times, uh, and black people there seem to be completely integrated in society, in the economy of that city. So black people here in the United States are not completely integrated? Well, they are. They are. But I, I'm, I'm aware that there is racism. I am aware that it's difficult for black people 
to be in the United States sometimes for the reasons that we've been talking about. My last question to you, Ms. Patton, is that if, if black people are not, uh, that the United States is not conducive for them to live in, where should they go? I didn't say that, there, that it's not conducive. What I you said, said is that. What I said you is if said, I were a black person, I wouldn't want to live in the United States. I wouldn't. Okay, so where, would they, where is a good place on the earth for them to live that they would not experience the same things that they're experiencing in the United States? Maybe in France or maybe in, in England. Or maybe in I, England. Have no more, I have no more questions. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Appreciate that. I know... Uh, Minister Tabira, she's uh, in France. Uh, she commented on the situation in Ferguson and talking about how horrible uh, black people were being treated there. Uh, oh. Charlie Hebdo, that everyone has been crying about and marching, they depicted her as a monkey uh, within the last 12 to 18 months. Uh, that should have some resonance for black people being compared to apes and monkeys and gorillas for centuries now. Uh, the person that dialed in... <clears throat> 1184, 1184. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Thanks, everyone, for sticking to questions. Appreciate that. 1184. I can't hear you, sir. That shit don't mean shit, yo. Uh, caller 11. I couldn't hear you, and then I heard a lot of uh, profanity. Uh, if we could keep it G-rated, uh, I will check because you were... It was also kind of hard to hear you as well, except for the last portion. I'm going to check one caller, and then I'll... Uh, grab you. I'll check again to see if it's uh, a little closer. Uh, the person that dialed in 1288 1288. Did you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Your line should be open. Call her at 1288. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit on the switchboard to find your number. Uh, what? Well, I thought I had you. 1288. Oh, I had it. I had it and then I lost it. Uh, oh, well, there we go. 1288. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Your line should be open. Uh, yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Gus, uh, for taking my call, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to at least um, speak with this young this young woman. There was a um, comment uh, you made earlier in the discussion relative to Gus's definition of terrorism, and I was curious as to what you would say was the relationship of um, black people in America to black people in America. If it isn't terrorism, what what exactly was it? That'd be my well, first question, man. Okay. And, and I, thank think, you. I think that there's a difference between discrimination and terrorism. I would say that, yes, black people have been discriminated against in the United States. Are they terrorized? I don't think so. I, I'm again. I'm defining terrorism differently. Discrimination. Yes, I understand that black people have been discriminated against and continue to be discriminated against. Terrorism. Okay. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I would suggest to you that um, the relationship that Nat Turner experienced in his lifetime was not one of discrimination. Discrimination, in and of itself, um, is an opinion on your part that really should have no impact on me. But terrorism is you taking that discrimination to the point where you exact an outcome. And that outcome generally means that I'm going to be forced to do what you want me to do. 
But be that what it may, we can agree to disagree. Thank you. You made a comment about ISIS and the Nation of Islam. I think you mistakenly are referencing uh, the organization of which Louis Farrakhan is part with ISIS, which is a either a conscious mistake on your part. Or it was not. Con- it was. It was. An, it was a mistake on my part. You. You. I. Okay, I, I apologize. Important. I'm not referencing. Uh, reference Farrakhan or his organization, but I, what I meant to say was ISIS. I apologize. Okay, I appreciate that. The clarification was very important. Indeed, uh, it was. Now, and as, I a, as a black man, uh, ma'am, as a, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said, but as a black man, I wanted to make a, a, a connection for you. We've had the opportunity in the last six months, better part of a year, to see some things that we can actually compare and contrast, you have said that terrorists are practicing horrible behavior in parts of Syria and areas under what you call ISIS control because they're beheading people. They're taking lives. And the people that are doing that feel that the people they are doing it to deserve what's happening to them. I I think you'd agree that they feel that those men that they're taking the heads from they feel that those men are part of an evil that uh, is problematic in their part of the world. Now, I, I don't want you to answer that yet. I want you to take a look at <clears throat> what happened here. The result of losing your head is death. We'll agree on that, correct? Yeah. Well, in this country, Michael Brown was shot in the head and left to die. Eric Garner was choked to death and left to die. Tamir Rice was, for all intents and purposes, murdered within seconds of being uh, coming into contact with law enforcement in this country. And everyone on your side of the ledger who saw that happen agrees that there was a reason that those men died, that if they'd done something different, they would not be dead. You say that they committed crimes or they committed some activity that brought police attention, so they're partly responsible. I'm amazed that you would take that position with the men who suffered that death in this country and look at the people in ISIS beheading people and saying the very same thing and call them terrorists, yet choose not to recognize the terrorism that resulted in the death of Garner, Rice, and Brown. I thank you for taking my call, Gus. And I appreciate you listening to my commentary, man. But you're really okay. In a terrible if you don't have any more questions, uh, we're going to get to the next call. So we can get as many people uh, questions, folks. Questions, questions. Uh, the caller at eight one seven nine eight one seven nine. Do you have a question for Miss Susan Patton? Hi, may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I have two questions. Good evening um, to your guest. Um, the first question is: What is your position or feelings on interracial? marriage, relationships? Well, thank you for that question. You know that, or maybe you know, I've written a lot about uh, mating mating strategies. uh, And what I've said is, I think, falling in love with somebody or marrying somebody who is not of your race is problematic, except if this is who you fall in love with. I think that marriage today is difficult enough with two people who are the same race and the same religion. Even that, it's hard enough. 
I would counsel young people. It'll be easier if you can find somebody who comes from a, a like background, who shares your culture, who understands your religious uh, uh, affiliation. Um, it's just easier. It's just easier. Not that it's bad. I know many interracial couples. Some of them are extremely happy. Uh, but I'm, my position is simply that it's easier to fall in love and get married, or let me not say fall in love with, it's easier to be married and make a life and raise a family with someone who shares your cultural and religious background. Does that answer your question? Um, yes. Uh, my second question is, um, have you ever practiced racism towards a non-white person? Honestly, I don't believe I ever have. It's never been in my heart to be unkind or unfair or mean or abusive to anybody. Not a black person, not a white person, not anybody. It's just, it's not who I am. So I can answer your question only as honestly as I can and say, no, I have never practiced racism. I would never look to discriminate or harm or abuse Anybody, certainly not a person of color, but not a person of, not a white person either. I just wouldn't do it. And um, my last question is, um, what do white people discuss or say when there's no non-white people, people at the table? Mm -hmm. I think it's what I said before, that there's, there's fear. I think that... There is an interest in forming closer bonds, closer relationships, getting past the difficulties that uh, that we've been talking about, but there is fear, and there's a recognition that there is suspicion on the part of black people towards white people. And we talk about that, you know, I think white people talk about that at their kitchen tables when black people aren't listening. You know, this this has not been an easy conversation to have this evening. I hope that you recognize that. I've I've tried to approach it from a position of honesty, uh, recognizing I, I'm speaking primarily to an audience of of black people. I hope that you you believe me when I tell you I'm I'm sincere and. Uh, welcoming these conversations because I think it goes a long way or could go a long way in sparking a better kind of dialogue between black and white which can only be better for everybody. Um, and just real quick, do you consider yourself a good white person? Yes, ma'am, I do. Okay. Do you consider yourself uh, a good black person? Um, thank you for taking uh, my call, Gus. I won't reserve, I won't say any comments just out of respect for Gus's uh, request. Thank you. Appreciate it. Brittany, uh, did you have a question for Susan Patton? Line should be open. Hi, Gus. Hi, Susan Patton. Hi there. Um, I have a question. Okay, do you believe that white people, well, let me make sure I'm stating it correctly. Do you believe that there is an advantage for white people to develop relationships with black people? Sure. I think there's an advantage for all people to develop relationships with each other. Well, I mean black people and white people specifically, given the history. 
I think that both white people and black people benefit from developing relationships with each other. And what benefit do white people have with developing relationships with black people? I think that whenever we're able to establish a relationship that imparts wisdom of a different culture, of a different perspective, of a different set of experiences, we all grow from it. We all benefit from it. Do you believe that white people are willing to share their power with black people? Share their power? Mm-hmm. Economic power. That's the economic power, um, authoritative power. Uh, I understand. Yeah, I understand what you're asking. And I think my answer would be power and economic power, you earn that. You know, I, I, I can't give it to you because you want it. That's like saying, you know, do I want to give some of my money to you? No, I don't. But I think you should be afforded the opportunity to earn the money that you need and the money that you want. But no, I don't think that it's beholden upon white people to give black people either power or money or position or... No, you earn it like everybody else earns it. Okay, but there is a system of racism in place, and black people are at disadvantage of being hired in those type of positions. Um, to I don't know that that's power. true. I don't know you that know, that's true. <clears throat> no, and in fact, I'm a human resources consultant, and I can't tell you how many clients I have that are publicly held companies who say to me very specifically, we have a diversity initiative, we are outreaching very specifically to black candidates. Find us minority candidates. And I hate when they ask me that. I would rather look for the best person for the job than look for somebody specifically in any community. I don't want to be told I want a white person. I don't want to be told I want a black person. Let me find the best person for the job. Do you believe that white people um, try to um, minimize black, black people's view or experiences of how Black people may feel regarding racism. Um, I hear you saying um, things like when someone asks a question, a tough question about racism, something that's blatant racism, you say you don't know or that is stupid. Is that a way of um, is that a way of sort of um, hmm, protecting? yourself like not wanting to view or not wanting to really state your position in society over black people no and it's stupid or you know you've never practiced racism because i don't see how you being a white person not have practiced racism or mistreated a black person well i have never mistreated a black person i've never mistreated anybody i just haven't I live my life treating people with kindness and with honesty and with decency. Do I annoy people sometimes? Of course I do. Everybody does. I'm not a perfect person. Have some of my uh, intentions gone awry? Well, sure, that happens. It happens to everybody. But I, I think that I live my life in, in honesty and with integrity and with decency. Okay, one other question. To not give black people information that we could use to withhold good information intentionally, you don't believe that's mistreatment? 
I don't even know what we're talking about. Who's withholding information? Well, to me, I mean, by you, by you disregarding the experiences of black people are saying that it's like you're I'm, invalidating the experience. I'm not disregarding. No, I'm not disregarding. we have the same opportunities as white people. To me, that's practicing racism and giving out invalid information. No, I'm not, I'm not disregarding. I'm not disregarding the experience of black people at all. I'm not doing that. I'm not disregarding it. When I'm asked a question to which I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. When faced with the CEO of Revlon saying black, he could smell black people or that Jewish people can't be trusted, I will write that off as stupid because that's what it is. Is it racist? I suppose so. Is it anti-Semitic? I suppose so. But more than either of them, more than being racist or anti-Semitic, this is a man who has just demonstrated how stupid he is. And I think that's, that's probably the most constructive uh, interpretation of that situation. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we had three other people that called in. Do we have time to get our last three callers in? Ms. Patton? Yep, go ahead. Okay, sure. Appreciate you for being patient. Uh, the person that dialed in uh, last four digits, one three eight eight one three eight eight. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Hey, Gus. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, just, have, just have one question for your guest, um, just off terrorism. Um, do you you said the um, the group? Well, you said Muslim nation Islam first, but you, now you say Islam, uh, ISIS. You said that you agree that cutting head beheading people is act of terrorism, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Question. Post-slavery, during the Jim Crow era, do you think hanging black men, castrating them, raping women, and just the system of the Jim Crow being practiced in the South, do you think that was terrorism? Yeah, I do. So... Would would you agree to indict? What you know, make a make a statement saying that all Christian white Christians are terrorists? No, I would not. I certainly wouldn't say well, that. I would say that there in our in our history, there have been people who have practiced this kind of terrorism against blacks. I think it's a small percentage, and it's unfair and unreasonable to indict all white people for the heinous crimes of very few white people. When you say small percentage, when the whole country for 400 years was all in unison on practicing racism, white supremacy, slavery, Jim Crow, all that, is that a small portion? And it was globally. So is that a small portion? Are you talking about a small portion of the total world population? Well, you were, talking, you, were talking about, you were talking about castration and lynching and heinous crimes, and I'm saying that that is terrorism and it was committed by a very small percentage of white people. It's unreasonable to, to label all white people as terrorists based on the actions of a few white people. Well, I think Christians, because you mentioned, you said um, uh, the Nation of Islam are terrorists. And that's why I asked what you... I apologize, I apologize and, I clean that, and I clarified that. What I meant to say is ISIS. I apologize. I meant to say ISIS. Okay. Would you agree that the, the, the shooting in... Um, was it Aurora, the bombing in Boston? Would you consider that a terrorist? That is terrorism. The bombing in Boston at the, at the Boston Marathon? Yes, that was terrorism. 
Okay. Go ahead. I was just, just wondering if you, if you considered what you said is a small portion of white people committed crimes. Right. When it was the way of the world by the founding fathers before 1865, that that was the land, you know, the law of the land. Was that a, you said it's a small portion that. You're living in the world today. We have to live by what we know today and how we live today. Well, today it's more refined. That's that's why. And, and uh, the terrorism, like Gus was saying, was economic education, uh, redlining, things like that. That's that's economic terrorism, educational terrorism, uh, the nine kids' quality education. That's Terrorism. I do understand what you're saying. I do understand what you're saying, but I object to the use of the word terrorism to describe that. I think terrorism means something different. It's an inflammatory word that I think we should not use to describe discrimination. All right. Thank you, guys. Take my call. Yes, sir. Uh, 8714-8714. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Your line should be open. Hello? Yes, sir. Uh, greetings, Gus, and greetings, Miss Patton. Hello. Uh, Hello. Yes, I, I'm calling from Hawaii here. Uh, aloha to you. Uh, aloha. I have a question. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, we can hear you. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, Miss Patton, you stated earlier in the program that you were not racist, correct? Yes. And for what other reason is there to be wiped if not to be racist. Say that one more time. What other reason is there to be white if not to be racist? I was born white. You said you were, you were born you were born white? Did you just ask what other reason is there to be white other than to be racist? No, I said in earlier in the program you stated yep. that you were not racist. Right. Therefore, for what other reason is there to be white, to be classified as white, if not to be racist? Oh, I see what you're saying. Why do we even, why do we even designate black and white? That's a good question. No, I, don't I don't have an answer. That's a good question. That's I, a good I, question. I don't have an answer. I said, for what other reason would there be? If not to practice racism, then what other reason is that to be white? Because earlier you said that... No, I see what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. You're asking, if, if it doesn't matter, if there's no racism, then why is there ever on any kind of form, on a college application or on whatever, check the box, are you, are you African American or are you Caucasian? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm saying, if you're not racist, then for what other reason are you white? What other reason is there to be white if not to be a racist? I am white because I was born white, and this is how the world sees me as a white you're not, person. Okay, but you're not white in terms of skin color, correct? I am white in terms of skin color, or I'm beige, no, or pink, or whatever. Like a, like a like a white piece of paper or a white T-shirt or white nope. piece. Nope, I'm sort you're of not, I'm sort of a beige color. So you're not you're not white in terms of skin color, correct? 
I guess not. I'm more of an ivory or a peach or I don't know. Okay. Your question so is what? Saying that you're not white, then what other reason is there to be classified as white if not to practice racism? I think it just has to do with how demographics are collected. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Earlier you said that ISIS is a terrorist organization, correct? It seems that way, yes. Okay. Now, how are their acts of violence different from white people's acts of violence historically? And when I say historically, I mean right to this very minute. I'm sorry, meaning right this very minute? I'm saying, I asked you a question. I said, how are ISIS terrorist acts different from white people's terrorist acts historically? And when I say historically, I mean to this very minute, the minute that just passed. It's the last part of your question that's not making any sense to me, to this very minute. That I don't understand. If we're saying that beheading, if we're saying that beheading a, a soldier in Syria is it comparable to lynching a black man in Alabama, yes, it is comparable. Yes, it is comparable. But when you're saying to this minute, I don't understand what you mean. Right. Well, there are the racist acts still going on to this very day to this very minute i think one just probably happened right now you know right up to right now so what i'm saying is is how are they different from any acts that white people do uh commit in acts of racism how are their violent acts different from what white people are doing but they're called terrorists and your actions we're not i'm not gonna say your actions but white people's actions are not i don't know how to answer you i i don't i don't see white people chopping off the heads of black people in America today. You don't see, but is that happening? Do you feel that that's happening? I don't know. How? I don't know. I don't know. You, you I'm not aware that that's happening. So you never heard that? that that's, that's I'm not aware that that's happening, and I suspect if that did happen, it would be all over the news. That it's not all over the news makes me think it's not happening. All right. Okay, thank you, Gus. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Ms. Patton. Mm -hmm. Right on. Thank you. I'm just stating again, uh, Lynn and Lacey, uh, I think a whole lot of people have no idea who that is. Uh, we were talking about lynchings, and that was not all over the news. And there are quite a few black people that have mysteriously wound up hanging from trees and swing sets. And it's not all over the news. Even some of these instances have happened post Michael Brown and Eric Garner. And they still didn't get blown all over the news. I'm the sincere. person that... Uh, no. The person uh, that call, you know, I really hate when we get the late callers. Uh, two other people dialed in. Can we nab them quickly as well? Are you going to tell me, Gus, that at least one of these calls is going to be supportive and appreciative? Oh, I don't know everybody who dials in. They might be just the biggest one. fans. Just one. I'm they, entitled to one. I've been a good sport for more than two hours. They, they one might be the biggest fans. Let's, let's see. One caller. We might I'm have a one caller has to say. Susan, you were honest. You're, you know, <laughs> I appreciate you're sticking with us. You're telling us what you think, taking the heat, taking the questions. But go ahead, go on. Three. Let's see if uh, we have a Susan Patton fan. The person at six three five three. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Uh, hello, Governor. No, I. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hi, Miss Patton. 
Hello. Um, I have a question about terrorism. Um, would you say that calling someone a, a nigger, uh, I would say that's terrorism. But I would not. My, okay, my would point, not. my question is, the reason why it's terrorism for a black person, let me ask you this, do you think that uh, Hitler or Goebbels calling you a Jew would be terrorism? No. Calling me a Jew or calling my grandparents Jews, that wasn't terrorism. But when they... Do you, do you, well, excuse me, let me finish. Excuse me, let me finish. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, calling my grandparents Jews was not terrorism. When Hitler's henchmen shoved them in the ovens at Auschwitz, which they did, that was terrorism. Do you get the difference? My first question regarding um, terrorism, because the context is all important in the history. So that's why I think terrorism for black people, when you call us a nigger, that's terrorism uh, to me. The other question I have is, are all Jews white? No. Of course not. Mm -hmm. There are Sephardic Jews that are black. Okay. Uh, my next question is, um, what is Jew? What is a Jew? It is someone that's a descendant of the Abrahamic tradition. The Abrahamic tradition? Yeah. Look it up. That's the simplest explanation I can give you. It's someone who's a uh -huh. descendant of Abraham. Mm -hmm. I'll look that up. Good. Okay. Thank you very much, Miss Patty. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Caller at 7344. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Here's my fan, right, Gus? Yes. We shall see. 7344. Yes, I do. I, um, yes can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, I appreciate taking the call. I apologize for being a late call. I was listening. Um, I definitely appreciate uh, the caller, um, the, the guest staying online to take my call. Um, it's a, a follow-up on the definition of uh, the um, earlier caller, Mr. Scotty Reed, about um, terrorism. I have one question on this patent. Would you consider, in the region, I know you, you mentioned ISIS, um, in the region that is known as Israel, where it is reported by the media that if the Israeli government suspects um, a so-called uh, Palestinian family member to have known a terrorist or a terrorist is in their family, as they describe a terrorist, and then they have the right to go into that particular um, region in Palestine and destroy that, their house and remove that family, would you consider that act of terrorism? I'm not sure I understand your question. I oh, think that, okay. that that's an act of vandalism. Like rephrase it? It's vandalism, not terrorism. That's vandalism. So when so you're saying if the Israeli government goes into that land and, and, and displaces that family and destroys that house, that that's vandalism? 
not terrorism. I really don't. I don't. I don't think we really want to get into a discussion of Mideast politics right now. It's a very complicated. No, I, only, I apologize. The only reason I asked is because you had mentioned ISIS as far as terrorists. So I figured since you were speaking in that region, I thought it would be appropriate to ask about Israel, which is in that in that same region. If, if I'm not incorrect. No, you're not incorrect. But Israel is not a terrorist organization. ISIS is a terrorist organization, and that's the difference. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't ask if Israel. I said was the act of them destroying the, um, the Palestinian homeland um, and displacing that family. Would that be an act of terrorism? Again, it's too compl- It's too complicated a political situation there to give you a simple answer. I can't give you a simple answer. It's, it requires a much more nuanced answer. What I would say again is, you can't compare the state of Israel to ISIS. They're just not comparable. Okay. And uh, and um, I, my last is just my last statement is um, no, I'm not here to be a fan. Thank you for taking my call, Gus. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, I'm exhausted just working the switchboard. The last caller, hey man, uh, eleven eighty four. We keep G rated. Did you have a question for Miss Patton? Okay. Caller eleven eighty four. Did you have a question? Just hearing noise in the background. I assume uh, either they uh, didn't have their question or somebody else got Maybe someone else asked the question that they were going to uh, get in. Uh, I will ask before you uh, depart, the person that requested that we make an effort to have you on the program, they were hoping before you leave if you could give your thoughts since you had talked quite a bit uh, about uh, sexual assaults and and rapes and saying that you you felt if I'm paraphrasing correctly that the uh, needle has moved so far to the other side that uh, now uh, it's almost like hey any any whiff that there might have been something incorrect even if the person is innocent we're going to go after them and you know attack attack verbally and, right. and all this other stuff they were saying uh, given some of the comments that you've made on this issue what are your thoughts about the situation with Bill Cosby well. You know, he hasn't been charged with a crime. He hasn't been brought to trial. And I'm, I'm of the mind that you are innocent until proven guilty. It doesn't look good that there are so many women who seem to have the same story. Is It certainly doesn't look good. It gives me sort of a creepy feeling about Dr. Huxtable. But he hasn't been charged with a crime. He hasn't been found guilty. So from my perspective, this is an innocent man. Any any bearing with regards to the fact that it's been uh, not all, but most of the folks who've come out and been doing some of the major interviews, Don Lemon and that sort of thing, most of them have been white women. Does that factor in at all, since this is a black male being accused uh, of some sort of sexual misconduct against quite a few white women? It just, all that strikes me is that maybe he was just attracted to white women. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Any with the context of the uh, since lynchings has been brought up, with the amount of lynchings that happened, uh, where there was some sort of similar accusation that a black male had done something uh, incorrect sexually with a, a white woman, uh, does that factor in? Do you do you think wow, it's it's uh, since some of these allegations are really old, like twenty years, decades? We're talking about right, more than twenty years, more right. than 20 years, absolutely. Uh, and I'm I'm certainly well aware of Emmett Till and, and 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 that atrocity, but again, you know, Bill Cosby has not been tried. He has not been convicted. He he hasn't been convicted by a court of law, so I'm not going to convict him. Certainly, 
from my perspective, he's an innocent man until proven guilty. In the same way, you know, O.J. is not a murderer because the courts said he was not. And I'm not privy to more information than they are, so I have to go by what our courts of law determine. So I'm saying that Bill Cosby, although, wow, it's feeling sort of bad, has not been tried. He has not been convicted. So I'm certainly not going to convict him. Are you? Are you? He has not been convicted. I, I think that logic is solid. I use the same logic. He hasn't been hasn't even been charged, to my right. knowledge. So hey, which I don't understand. How could thirty six women make this accusation and nobody is bringing it to trial? I don't hey, know. Very lucid. Very lucid. I use that same logic. Yep. Um, I do appreciate you hanging out, although we uh, don't have agreement on a lot of aspects. I do definitely appreciate the dialogue. Um, I will tell folks the uh, book. Folks can check out Mary Smart. Uh, you can check online to see some of her columns. Wall Street Journal did a uh, sure. review of the book and some of the comments she's had on CNN about the text and some even some of the, the sexual uh, stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, I yeah. guess before uh, we leave, Abner Louima, that's your area. Is that an act of terrorism? What is uh, what is reported to have happened to Abner Louima? Again, I wouldn't use the word terrorism. I thought it was an, it was an abomination. It was an atrocity. It was a disgrace. Not terrorism? No. Okay. No. Our guest for the evening. If you, the next, if you go on, uh, doc, are you going on Dr. Watkins' uh, program next week? Yes, I am on could Wednesday. You, could you ask him that question? Abner Luima, does he think that that is an act of terrorism? What happened to him? Hmm. Why ever are you bringing that up now? That's got to be, what, 15 years old? What does that matter? <laughs> like, uh, just uh, ask him. It's not ancient history. I mean, it's much more recent than Emmett Till and a lot of the other cases that folks brought up. Uh, and, uh, I and guess I, so. Could, I guess so. Okay. I will listen in next week. If you ask, just ask him, what is your opinion? Do you think what happened to Abner Louima is an act of terrorism? I will tune in just to hear his response to that one question. <laughs> all right. Our guest, Susan Patton, joined us live. Appreciated you hanging in and getting all of our uh, callers this evening. It was a pleasure to uh, exchange views with you. Likewise. Likewise. Perhaps we'll speak again and, you know, I'll be sure and have at least one pal of mine call in and Say what a great gal I am. Please do get some of your Princeton fellow <laughs> Princeton alums to call in and support. You can get some of the black people that wanted you to come to the event and were disappointed. Have them to call in. It would be grand to have more of them. I could do that. I could do that. It was a pleasure being with you, Gus. Enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we will speak soon. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Evening, evening. Context of white supremacy. Wowzers. Wowzers. Um, we will uh, see if folks have any time if they have anything that they would like to uh, share before uh, we wrap up. I was a little afraid that my voice was going to honk out because this is more talking than I've done uh, probably since the Saturday broadcast. But uh, I think I'm all right. And we're almost done now anyway. So it's it's all good either way around. Um, before I get to some of the folks that dialed in, if they have uh, any uh, anything that they would like to share, I can only encourage. Thank you to new. I knew we had enough New York people who listen to the program. We've always had so much love from uh, folks in the New York area who listen to the program. I knew we had folks that were going to call in and uh, look to do some fact checking to make sure we had correct information about what was going down there. I thank 
folks for dialing in. But that report is very recent that I read from A Tale of Two de Blasio's. Uh, it's from January 14th, 2015. I am submitting that this is an act of terrorism in the classroom and should be yep. classified as such. I'm just going to read it because I missed or I didn't include some of the great details. Uh, but this is why you should check the news locally, nationally, globally. There are a lot more things going on than American Sniper and ISIS and Charlie Hebdo, lots of things that are going on that don't get the same amount of attention, but are equally interesting and reveal quite a bit about racism, white supremacy. So the report reads, in the eight years I've been advocating on children's educational issues, I've seen a lot, but nothing to compare to Mayor de Blasio's latest shocker. The Post this week revealed that the mayor's Department of Education hired Elif Guri Perez, and I'll spell her name as E-L-I-F-G-U-R-E hyphen P-E-R-E-Z. Elif Guri Perez, the former principal of PS316 in Brooklyn to head its Office of School Improvement. She's in charge of supporting 14 struggling high schools with majority black and Latino students in his $150 million school renewal program. Yet, as the Post reported, a jury had found Guri Perez liable for yelling at her parent coordinator, get out of my office, you nigger, get out. The city will be paying $110,000 in damages, and there seem to be many other substantiated accusations and pending cases against her. Yes, a Manhattan federal court found Guri Perez guilty of creating a hostile race-based work environment should be terroristic work environment months before Mayor de Blasio appointed her to a racially sensitive position. Can you imagine de Blasio allowing similar hiring at the New York Police Department? Isn't this the mayor who won office promising to stick up for the rights of minorities? Sadly, the list of racist attacks against African-American staffers and parents in the city's public schools continues to grow. I thought black people were in charge. I'm involved in another recent case where elected parents, leaders, excuse me, I'm involved in another recent case where elected parent leaders were called two black monkeys working together. Other incidents I'm aware of include threats of physical violence and other cases where police reports have been filed. Unfortunately, City Hall and the DOE's Tweed Building headquarters have instructed school and district leaders to keep quiet on these issues. Can you imagine that? Mayor Bill de Blasio, the supposed champion of non-white people covering up racism in New York City public schools. Apparently, while he's set on stomping out racists in our police force, it's okay if they're in our schools. It just doesn't add up. Oh, yes, it does. At a time when about 70% of New York City public school children can't read, write, or do math at grade level, our mayor has come out in praise of our teachers and the job they do. Yes, teaching is a very difficult profession, and some teachers don't get the respect and pay they deserve. But the reality is that the schools are failing a solid majority of non-white children and have been failing for generations The system must be broken somewhere, Mr. Mayor. And here's a hint. The problem isn't simply poverty or parents. 
contrasts his approach to education to his treatment of policing, where he's begun a complete overhaul of the New York Police Department aimed at addressing concerns that the police treat blacks and other non-whites unfairly. In his first year, we have seen a mandatory retraining program for all police officers, the end of stop and frisk, and arrest of low-level marijuana offenses. A pilot program putting body cameras on police officers is set to begin in comparison to his unprecedented steps to demand more respect for non-whites from the NYPD. He has given schools a free pass for failing to educate school children, mostly black and Latino, for generations. This when the teachers union is still majority white. I thought they were not in charge. Hmm. Of course, it does give big campaign donations. Why is de Blasio demanding a revamping of our school system or putting body cameras on teachers and administrators to hold them responsible for their interactions with students and the public? Why no demand for increased educational productivity? Yes, it is a tale of two cities, Mr. Mayor. One city for those you favor and one for your foes. Race and racism have little to do with your actions if any color does, it's the color of green. I certainly do not agree with that last part, but eh. that's the report. You can check it out. It's at the New York Post, surprisingly. A Tale of Two de Blasios, and this was published on January 14th. Uh, I actually linked it for the Saturday program. Uh, I can't include everything that I find, but I did link it for the compensatory call-in when I mentioned uh, Mayor de Blasio, so you could have checked it out last week. But uh, I would submit this report as uh, Exhibit A. That... <laughs> uh, I don't care how many, and even the caller that chimed in, we don't even have a black person in that position anymore. It's a white woman, not surprisingly, but black people are not in charge of the school system in New York or anywhere else under the system of white supremacy. And this should be classified as terrorism because that's what it is. Uh, With that, uh, if folks have anything uh, that they would like to share about the guest, uh, I was going to say quickly because there are a lot of people on the line so just to be brief if folks have any information on non-profits uh, the filing uh, and specifically things to do ideas and what have you once you have the nonprofit up and rolling you can feel free to email that in to me until justice at gmail.com or you can bring it up on the Saturday program uh, I do not want anything on my Facebook page my Twitter fi- uh, timeline my email nothing about Lee Daniels, new television program, Empire. He is persona non grata to me. He is a victim of racism. I don't have anything bad to say about him, but I have seen a healthy chunk of his body of work. I've seen The Woodsman. I've seen Precious. I've seen Shadow Boxer. I couldn't even watch all of Precious. I saw half of it. And I saw Monster's Ball. I've seen enough of his work to know that I do not want to see anything he is involved with ever again as long as I live and I don't even feel obligated to comment or be informed about anything he's doing at all for the rest of my life or the rest of his life. So do not put anything related to Lee Daniels, the new television program on my Facebook page, my email, my Twitter timeline, the Facebook groups. I don't care. It's not going to help me solve the problem of racism, white supremacy, and I already know what to expect from him. Um, Rosa Clemente, I already mentioned, I finally got to see Dear White People. I will comment on that in the future. Uh, I will be writing more. So if people have ideas, things that they think Gus should write about that are constructive, let me know because I should be writing more uh, for the coming year. And the New York Times had a great 
short documentary. It's about seven minutes long on the Black Panther Party. I posted it on the Facebook page today. You should check it out. It should be on the front page. Stanley Nelson did it. He's a uh, black filmmaker. He's done a lot of documentaries on racism. You should check it out. I didn't even get to watch it because I found it just a short time before the program began, but you should check it out. Uh, It's on the front page. uh, If you go to the New York Times website, it's on the front page. You'll see it. Uh, And I posted it on Facebook. I put it in the group as well, but you should check it out on the Black Panther Party. Uh, With that, the folks that uh, dialed in, uh, folks had anything that they would like to share about the guest from the program, feel free to share. There are a lot of people on the line, so if you could be efficient, (laughs) make your comment, and then uh, allow other people to see probably the same rules from the Saturday program so that everybody has an opportunity to share because there are a lot of people who uh, dialed in. So I'll mute my line. If you have things you would like to share, feel free. Mabby Hurst? Yes, ma'am. Thank you to the New York caller. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. Um, briefly, the neighborhood she lives in, the Upper East Side, the black people that are in, I've been in New York for 50 years. The black people in that neighborhood are um, taking care of children, little white children. Um, also, I think that she gave it away when she said that they're going in and out of Banana Republic. All right? There's no Banana Republic up here where I live. So, um, yeah, she was very, very dishonest, practiced racism, contradicted herself through the entire program. And um, I don't think I'm the only one that noticed that. Uh, Gus, you pointed it out a few times. For her to say that black men being hung from trees and castrated with terrorism, but then not classify um, um, the... um, parent coordinator being called a nigger a terror as terrorism and she didn't think that that word fit appropriately with current events was another way she practiced racism so um yeah miss uh um the guest was extremely dishonest and i I pegged her as a racist from the beginning when she started with the um how um (laughs) Black people are uh, uh, are uh, shouldn't in the U.S. They should they this isn't a good place for them, and um, just as she's just because as well as she's a Jew and just as being a Jew is Germany is not a good place that immediately and also whenever a white person begins a sentence with oh I want to be as honest as I possibly can and they offer all this honesty look for the lie that's all I had to say I'll mute my line. I would. Um, this is Scotty from uh, North Carolina. I would agree with the previous caller, the um, the young woman who was speaking, that this guest, Miss Patton, was engaged in a lot of deception. I would find it totally hard to believe that a Princeton graduate uh, would be coming off as ignorant as she did about. I mean, even definitions of words. Now, I would say that she practiced racism in her application of the word terrorism and only wanting to associate it with the acts of non-white people, particularly uh, the group of Muslims called ISIS, and to only apply it to the act of violence of cutting someone's head off. Um, Even when I gave her the white people's uh, definition of the word terrorism. This is the English language. This is their words. Um, they write, wrote the dictionary. 
I gave her two definitions under terrorism, and she stuck to her deception. I mentioned, you know, racial profiling, hundreds of black people being shot down in the streets every year, um, and she still stuck to her deception of that's not an act of terrorism. And what was very telling to me is that she may also be a Zionist. Um, when the uh, one of the uh, last callers gave her an example of the Israeli government uh, unjustly tearing down, um, displacing a Palestinian family simply because of something a family member ha has allegedly done or may have been a part of to just come wipe out the whole family um, to say that that is very complicated for her to say that well that's complicated um, you know the politics up there is nothing complicated about that example he gave and again that I chalk it up to deception and practicing uh, racism by her application of terrorism. And then, I mean, just a simple question of that, um, Gus, you asked her about what do you think, you know, the percentage of the population of white people is globally. I mean, come on. I mean, man, it doesn't even take, I, I could ask that of a 10th grader. And they should be able to give me a ballpark figure. And I think she was playing ignorant uh, in her deception. I don't think she was ignorant at all. Um, I think, you know, that uh, she was just being very deceptive. And, um, you know, I, I was just appalled that she would think that we're that ignorant, you know, to, you know, give us these ignorant answers to questions. And so that's another act of racism. You know, I'm looking at that. I'm just talking to a bunch of ignorant black folks. And so anyway, I'll, I'll leave I'll leave it at that. Thank you. She said it was vandalism. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm just, she said it was vandalism, Mr. Reed, the <laughs> example. In, right, it right. Was <laughs> I was muted, but I was cracking up laughing. I disturbed the whole household. <laughs> I was, I was, I was frequently calling her names while I was listening. So I was like, wow, thank you. Go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, the entire conversation was nothing but trashy and tacky, but um, the part that took me out the most, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have television, I don't watch the news, and apparently that's where she gets all of her information from. When was the last time that Nation of Islam was brought up on television? So why was that like your immediate go-to? Why did that pop up in your head? And then you try to play dumb like you didn't know who was in the Nation of Islam. Like, that to me just, mm, packing. And that's all I have to add. Nothing heard? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, when I was talking to her, I said that this program is the textbook definition of dedication because it seems like she was really choosing her words at certain points to, mm -hmm. to, to convey that, you know, she doesn't really know anything. And it, when I brought up Hurricane Katrina and uh, Hurricane Sydney, it's like, it doesn't really, you don't have to really think that hard to see that that was dedication and terrorism to have black people go without resources. And to say that, you know, she doesn't know that white people in New York aren't, have the most money, is, that's ridiculous. I mean, 
that's New York City. That's one of the uh, financial capitals of the world, you know. So when I re- um, I'm going to refer to this program to convey to victims uh, of the dedication of white of white people, more specifically white uh, females, white women. I'm definitely going to uh, do that so people can see how dedicated white people are to racism and white supremacy. Amen. I'm going to mute my line just because I know it's a lot of people, but I just want to say uh, quickly, uh, I had to listen to her like all day long, the people that were like writing me their frustration and people that were <laughs> I feel you, but I've been listening to her like all day long, like hours of her. Like I listened to all the programs that she did with Dr. Watkins. Um, it might be interesting. I'm not going to say it is definitely, but it, I'll put it this way. It would be an interesting contrast to hear the way that uh, all of the folks who called in and participated on the program the night questioned her and then to contrast that with some of the exchanges that she's had with Dr. Watkins. Fat, I mean, fat, he's a victim. I'm not, you know, I don't have anything against him or have you, but I mean, it's just, wow. Like when I listened to all that, I was so thankful that the cows existed. Not that there's anything special about, you know, Gus or anything, but just that, you know, I think it's important for white people to be questioned with suspicion and to even have people pointing out like, wait a minute, man, I think you I think you're practicing racism. And I don't even think you're being truthful uh, with some of the responses that you're giving, because I just don't hear that very frequently when white people talk to black people about racism. It's very rare for me to hear a black person call out a white person and say, hey, I don't think you're being truthful right now. I think you might be practicing racism. It just doesn't happen very often. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that it's constructive. I just I think it would be an interesting contrast if you participated in this program or if you're listening to the archive or what have you to check out some of the programs with Dr. Watkins. And I am interested to hear his response if he thinks what happened to Abner Louima is an act of terrorism. I am going to check that out uh, next week and I'll mute my line. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I just wanted to chime in. I had a very difficult time listening to this guest, and um, she did identify herself as a Jew, and it was interesting because not so long ago, Jews were just recently, you know, classified as white. So she's doing a very good job, you know, just really trying to identify herself as white and you know it was just really difficult for me to listen to her um the ignorance that she just tried to display she definitely was practicing racism and she had she didn't hesitate um when I asked her you know have you ever practiced racism so and she's like no no never and it just it just really just demonstrates how white people have no intention of stop practicing, you know, racism. And I also appreciate uh, this program because, like you said, Gus, um, I'm just used to non-white people looking for the quote-unquote good white people. And she even identified herself as a good white person. And so I haven't listened to the other programs that she's on. I don't think I can take it. But um, I'm just more than sure that, you know, the confusion is out there. And so a program like this definitely helps to really, you know, just strengthen the the ability to question white people and really just see, because a lot of times I notice, like even in my conversations with non-white people, they'll have the suspicions and they'll have it, you know, but they won't 
address it. They won't say it. They'll just think it. And unless you pull it out of them, then you're like, okay, well, yeah, that didn't sound right in, in a conversation one-on-one. But I just, you know, appreciate a program like this because, I mean, she was blatantly practicing racism, and um, it just really makes me more eager to have no hesitation when I hear stuff like this to question them and just to make sure I point it out. So that's all I wanted to say, and um, I'll mute my mind. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I agree that when, when Scotty took the time to, um, to explain the, the definition of terrorism, and then I, you know, recall that she, you know, liked to use the term, you know, a lot of white people like to use the term Jew, and I guess they, I guess it works for other non-whites, but I guess they feel like they guard a certain amount of sympathy, um, if that's the case. And when I did ask that question about Israel, um, I found it very interesting that all of a sudden it became so complicated, um, you know, you couldn't really explain it. Um, you had to, that would just be a whole new set of discussions, and, and I thought my question was, was relatively simple. Um, but it was, it was obvious. She definitely was practicing racism, in my view, and uh, I, I, I agree with Scotty when um, she... When he, um, he said that, uh, you know, she looked at, oh, I'm just going to be on here with some more, maybe not that, um, you know, in, informed um, non-white people. So I'm basically just going to say what I'm going to say. But I do I have to admit I, I was surprised that she stayed that long. Um, I spoke to my wife, and my wife did say to me that she was going to stay long because she classified herself as a Jew and that she was a graduate of Princeton and that she was from New York. So all those factors would, you know, make her feel like she was superior than the audience that she was going to be, um, you know, um, speaking to. So that's all I wanted to say. I'll meet my line. Any other uh, folks? Things that want to get in. If you had a hand up, your line should be open. Um, can I just say one more thing? I did um, speak already. Oh, yes, ma'am. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting how she, at the end, was, you know, looking for some supporters and, you know, in a, you know, like hopefully one of the callers or on my side and you know that was in my opinion her practicing racism again I don't understand what what type of audience she was expecting but again I haven't listened to her all day or this was my first time hearing of her but she was it just sounded like she was looking for some cheerleaders or someone to say yeah this is a good white person because she was you know really animate about trying to confuse um, non-white people but I thought that was very interesting that she thought it was necessary to say, you know, she was looking for some supporters, so to speak. But, yeah, that's it. Gus, may I ask you a question about the show that she's on with this other gentleman? This, uh, this uh, The gentleman is a black person. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. 
what type of topics to, do they discuss? Because if you would listen to this woman, you would think that she doesn't know anything about anything. Because she, so many, you know, with her level of deception. What kind of topics do they discuss? Let's see. Um, there are at least three uh, different exchanges that I'm aware of. They're approximately an hour each. Uh, some a little bit shorter than that, but roughly an hour or so each. Um, they, the first one was in December. It was a few weeks after the non-indictment in the uh, Garner case. Um, they talked about her her experience at Princeton. I think I brought up a part of that earlier in the program. She was talking about, uh, I guess, the black students at Princeton when she was there. They went in some sort of program and they didn't want to come hang out with the other white students. And she was frustrated about that and felt that the way Princeton was operating things, it reinforced uh, self what they call self-segregation amongst the students, particularly the black students. Uh, the incident that I was telling, uh, brought up with her about, uh, I guess they had some sort of black alumni uh, gathering and it went out to, I guess, everybody who's an alumni, whether they were black or not, alumnus, whether they were black or not. And she registered and then a black person told her that they would prefer if she was not present. And they had a dialogue about this. And then she decided that she would not attend, although she felt bad about it. I guess what have they talked about that? And Dr. Watkins also said he felt bad and he thought that she should have went. Um, they talked about, um, Let's see the next one. They, t- they talked about uh, Al Sharpton um, and her disgust for him. I had that on my list, but I couldn't get to everything. Um, they talked about uh, affirmative action and how she despises that uh, because it helps black people. I definitely had that like starred on my list to get to because I think that's another one where uh, I suspect that she's just being willfully deceptive because it's people like her that are the primary benefit uh, beneficiaries of affirmative action. Um, they talked about uh, the hot, cause she does, she works, uh, human resources. And Dr. Watkins was saying that, uh, it was a former white woman at Harvard and she had hired 32 people for their law department. And 30 of the 32 were white men. Uh, she hired a so-called Asian person and a white woman. And Dr. Watkins was saying that he thought that that could be racism. The fact that, uh, she did not hire a single black person out of all of these 32 people. And, uh, Miss Patton, she came and said, oh, I, I vigorously disagree and that that couldn't that's not racism at all. And I'm sure she just wanted to hire the most qualified people. And uh, it's not about the same thing that she said here about, you know, people will say, well, we'll pay you more money if you can go out and get us some black applicants. And she says, oh, I, I never do that. I just, you know, I'm going to get the most qualified person. I'm not about all that. Go get a black person or go get a woman or any of this other stuff. They talked about that. Um, let's see. They talked about the rape allegations. Uh, I don't, they did not bring up Bill Cosby unless I missed that. They didn't bring up Bill Cosby. They talked about president Obama. She's not a fan of him either. She thinks that he's been really bad, really bad for black people. Uh, she'll be glad when he's gone. She, <laughs> they briefly, cause, uh, the one program was yesterday. So they briefly talked about the state of the union. Um, those are some of the things I'm sure there's a few other, uh, topics here or there, but those are some of the main talking points that they have. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you reminded her a few times that she is from, uh, she's a graduate of one of the most prestigious institutions in the world, so there's no excuse for her not knowing anything. That's all I had. I'll mute my line. Can I be heard? 
Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I pretty much got the same ring. I mean, uh, I think I got indigestion dealing with her. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know. She didn't answer any of my questions, so we were just uh, going around about and I think that's what she does. Um, that's her. She, when she claims she doesn't practice racism, that's what she does. She claims if she doesn't know, well, then it doesn't happen, in other words. It's never happened or it never existed. So you're marginalized right on off the bat. Yet, she can't equate what's going on in Israel and show any type of empathy what's going on with the, with the Palestinians. Oh, now it's a totally different nuance now. Like we don't know what we're talking about. I know a lot about Israel. I would love to challenge her on her is real or is it real all day and all night. She didn't want to answer the pro she, she just didn't really answer any questions. You, you know, she can't tell you what a Jew is because, well, you know, that's just too doggone hard to describe what a Jew is. We know it's not a race, but you know, Hey, it's something Abrahamic, uh, uh, well, that, that could be an Arab, too. Now what? So, so to, to, you're not going to get any kind of satisfaction of trying to uh, answer any kind of questions. She was not truthful. She wasn't really trying to be, to me. Uh, she, was poor, she was more like trying to be vague as, as much as possible with, with her, you know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I forgot to mention that. The, uh, the the police riot right there in her in her city, you know, where the police was defying the black uh, mayor Dinkins. Mayor, yeah, <laughs> I forgot all about you know uh, you know I was just getting so frustrated, <laughs> and I'm like you know, uh, you got this going on, and how are you going to sit there and say you have justice? And the police are racist. How do you how do you define justice then? But then at the same time say, well, you know, it doesn't work all the time. Then then there's no justice. So she's got a she's a racist. I'm, not, I'm I'm classifying her. I don't know if it's bad. She's racist. She practices it on me. She practices it on other people here during the day, during the call. When the, when the questions got real serious, she went into "I'm just a dumb white woman" mode and marginalized them, and that's her game. So. <clears throat> I think I'll end it there and let somebody else get in. She didn't play ignorant about uh, the word terrorism. That was one of the uh, significant times where she took a definitive stance <laughs> in uh, opposition and uh, put some bass in her voice to say that that is nonsense. And I totally disagree. 
whole nine. She did not go uh, ignorant about what can be classified as terrorism. Yeah, but only to marginalize anybody else that's based on, on her stance. Uh, you know, and basically she's standing with white. Anything, if, if white people are in the right to do something, then it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not terrorism. It's something else. But hey, if you're Islam, then you're a terrorist right off the bat. Oh, well, I meant to say, no, you didn't. You didn't mean to say that. You meant to say exactly what you said. How you get ISIS and Nation of Islam mixed up? Two different factions. Two, two different factions. Two different ideologies. <laughs> How do you even get those two mixed up? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Someone wrote in, they said they think she is uh, the second coming of Crystal Tyler. Did uh, we miss anybody? Anybody that uh, had a hand up, have anything they wanted to get, make sure they got in before uh, we wrap up? Anybody? Everyone good? Everyone good? If you had a hand up, mine should be open. We all good? Grand. We should be back tomorrow for uh, American Sniper. I think this is study session number five. Uh, so well timed. So well timed. That is, uh, <laughs> I thought that was going to be uh, talked about a lot uh, when I saw the movie was coming out. I didn't know it was going to be talked about this much, but uh, apparently it just set another box office record for films released in the month of January. It racked up. Uh, last week was its first week major release, like everywhere. And I think it racked up over $120 million. Uh, white kid, another white terrorist right there, Chris Kyle. Uh, but that should be tomorrow, normal broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we are uh, beyond the halfway point. I think we should have max maybe three more left before we move on to the next book. But uh, that should be tomorrow. Folks should feel free to chime in if you've seen the movie, keep it up with the book, or have other uh, tidbits that you want to make sure to share. Uh, the compensatory call-in will be Saturday, normal time, news, uh, workplace racism, observations from the last uh, seven days. We were supposed to have two white women on the program this week. Uh, one of them rescheduled. She'll be with us next week. Uh, she writes for the New York Times, and she has written a lot of pieces about white parents talking to their white children about racism, ostensibly not to practice racism, but how these white children can grow up to not be racist, ostensibly. Uh, she has, I can post some of her articles if folks want to check them out, but it's a bunch of them. Uh, and then she writes about other stuff too, but she's been doing a lot about talking to your white parents, talking to their white children about racism. Uh, but she should be with us uh, next Thursday. We will be back before then, but just for down the road because she was supposed to be here this week, but she'll be here next Thursday. Uh, so folks can uh, keep that in mind. We should have another white woman. I don't know if she'll be the same function in the same manner as Miss Patton did this evening, but that is one to look forward to uh, down the road. Uh, at any rate, if folks uh, have comments, things that they would like to uh, share, feel free, drop an email until justice at gmail.com.
as I'm still not all the way 100%. I have not checked my Twitter as frequently, but I'm about to catch up on all of my messages and what have. We're on Twitter at until justice at until justice. Uh, thanks for all of the callers. I uh, hope it was a constructive investment of your Thursday evening. Uh, and again, I will encourage uh, be on the lookout if there are events happening in your area uh, over the next two months. You should go participate and you should take your children. Uh, you should take your children uh, so that they get an understanding that this is serious. Uh, and in terms of black self-respect, that is huge. Them seeing their black mom, their black dad out talking about racism in a serious manner, asking questions, particularly you get to question white folks. Phenomenal. Uh, you should take advantage. Uh, there should be lots of things happening. Even if you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of black people, there still should be lots of things that you can go participate. Again, just go to the local library and see if they have any flyers up. You can ask for details if you're close to a co any college, university, college, community college, whatever it is, they should have things going on. Even some of the local high schools, I suspect, will have some events uh, going on over the next two months or so. So you should go participate. And definitely, if you have black children, you should be in the building and prepared with questions and even see if you can motivate and get them uh, to ask some questions as well. Uh, very important, in my opinion, asking questions, being serious about white terrorism racism uh, again under conditions of white terrorism sobriety would be best uh, it is just one of the absolute worst decisions you can make to get in a vehicle driver even as the passenger I would say you're under the influence you're asking for Dan Pantaleo Daniel Holtzclaw Darren Wilson any of these suspected race soldiers to totally ruin your life uh, just makes their job way easier best thing you can do if you are going to consume get to one spot stay there leave the next day once you're sober lucid clear thinking so you can make the best choice for yourself your offspring people that you care about uh, it's just <laughs> under conditions of war sobriety would be best with that creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to manifest maximum levels of black self-respect at all times in all areas of people activity. Each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white terrorism with justice as soon as possible. Context of white supremacy. Signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.